y'all. What up, what up, what up? It's the Full Disclosure Show. I'm Derek Lamont Williams the first, Ryan with Big Dick Dosley, Bobby Rich Green, and the beautiful little lady of the house, Lisa Burnett. What's up, what's up with y'all? How y'all feeling? How y'all living? Oh, man. Feeling this music right now. You know what I mean? Quite the P.E. Ain't they going on tour? Yeah, they been on tour, man. P.E. don't stop. What's up with it, y'all? What's up? Shout out to, uh, again, to Ms. Veronica Thornton. We were at the uh, Financial Literacy Clinic yesterday, and it was a, a beautiful thing, man, just to see people. Don't believe the hype, man, when you see all the negativity, man. There's people out here who care about the community. That's you know, we people come together, and the information that we shared was incredible. We met some incredible people, amazing yeah. people, and, uh, you know, we're gonna, they're going to keep doing it. We're going to keep showing up, man, trying to help. Help you know what I mean? Help the community you know build the build the the community back up you know what I mean? The infrastructure you know so that's it. Going down, it's going down. It's a beautiful Good thing. Good turnout. And, oh you man, know, yeah, man. You know a lot of information that was shared. You know, I helped me out. Yeah, I got very um, informed there. Learned a lot of things. There, yeah, I met a lot of good people. Yeah, the networking is crazy. So, uh, again, thanks again, Miss Veronica Thornton. You know what I mean? And uh, putting on a good. Oh show, yeah, man. we will. She said she's gonna be doing more and gonna be the ones for the youth. And uh, man, whatever, whatever. I'm just, I was just glad to be a part of it. You know okay, what I mean? Right. I was just glad to be a part of it. Information sharing, networking, the whole. Nine. There it is. You know. I think What's sometimes up, people, people get stuck in thinking that things ain't moving or, or we, we we really work together as a community, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh, and man. that's what I'm saying. That's why I say don't believe the hype, man. Mm-hmm. Don't believe the hype because we out here. That's it. What's going on with y'all? What's up, Reese? What's going on, Marquez Johnson, Lady Like? Trezana Staples, how you doing, Queen? Yeah, y'all, thanks, thanks, thanks for, for, for joining us, those who pop in. You know what I mean? Thank you very much. We appreciate the support. And get, get, again, you can catch us, the podcast on Spotify, Stitcher, iTunes. We have, we have, we global, you know what I mean? So, you know, go on there. And, and if you, you know, if you don't catch us on here live, you can go on any of them platforms and, and listen to the podcast. So, uh, without further ado, we're going to get into the social media post of the week. Of dribbles. Well, you know what, man? Social media post of the week, man. This, uh, you know, uh, the president of the United States has done a lot of dubious things over his short tenure uh, in the office, and uh, you know, he never, never misses a chance to be small. <laughs> and you gotta say something about that type of consistency. You know, uh, this past week, you know, I know a lot of us. I haven't really been keeping up with it, but. Big things you can keep up with. This week was the NFL draft. And uh, in it, Kyler Murray was the number one pick out of Oklahoma. Yeah. You know. Shout out to Jamal Davis II, my homie son, and Ben Snell, also from Canton area, who got drafted yesterday. Shout yeah. out to those That's fans. That's what's up. That's yeah. what's up. Hey, that's some Ohio prospects right there. Shout out to y'all. That's great. Uh, but, you know, the, the uh, Kyler Murray did something that was amazing. Not only was he the number one pick in the NFL – but he was the number one pick in the Major League Baseball draft as well. So he was the first number one pick in both of those two uh, organizations. The president of the United States of America, uh, Donald Donald J. Trump, uh, 
uh, instead of congratulating this young man for being the number one pick in two sports, uh, he went on Twitter, you know, his official outlet. For things yeah, he went on yeah. Twitter. He's a tw he's a tweet monger. Yeah, he he, tw he, he, he tweeted, <laughs> and what he tweeted was congratulations. You know, hey, I can't believe he did this to Nick Bosa on being picked number two in the NFL draft. <laughs> <laughs> you will be a great player for years to come, maybe one of his best. Big talent. San Francisco will embrace you. Most important, always stay true to yourself. Make America great again. Well, let me give you a little bit of background. Nick Bosa did play for the Ohio State Buckeyes. You know, we big, we Buckeye Nation here. Shout out to you. Congratulations, young man. But uh, are we missing something? Kyler Murray was the number one pick. Two leagues. Two leagues. No mention from Donald Trump on this. Now, do I need to tell you that uh, Kyler Murray is a African-American athlete, black athlete, mm -hmm. and that Nick Bosa is a, is a, is a, is a white athlete? Um, like I said, this president does not miss a chance to be small. Nick, po Nick Bosa has, uh, you know, in the past supported uh, white nationalist pages, uh, retweeted, you know, racial, racially charged things. He's an open Donald Trump supporter. He's an open Donald Trump supporter. Um, and that's not to say that, that Colin Murray hasn't done his thing. When he was about 14 or 15, uh, he used a, uh, you know, described homosexuals in a derogatory manner. But uh, we're talking about a kid that was 14 or 15. We're not talking about something he just did last week or last year. And, you know, and that, that, that's not to say, you know, people couldn't have a problem with that. But for the president not to congratulate the first overall draft pick, or just the draft class in general. How about you say congratulations on all the young men uh, that had their dreams come true. And then you can send a special shout out to Nick Bosa. But to, to, to circumvent the number one pick to go to the number two pick, I thought we were a country that liked to celebrate the winners. I thought he didn't like losers and people in second black. place. Yeah. You he know, didn't celebrate a winner as so, long as they ain't black. You know, Lisa, I'd like to get your take on this. What's up, Veronica Thornton, Lee Lee? Oh, yeah, just what I said. We ain't celebrating no accomplishments that no Negroes has accomplished. As long as you black and brown, they ain't about to shed no light on you. <laughs> and and when it do, it just be some little 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 blurbs. Little blurb. And then why they doing that? They got all this other negative behavior from black and brown. So it's the agenda. That's what they're going to do. And they're going to keep doing it. It's up to you to open your eyes and see that once again, it's some fuckery. Mm, when yeah. People see what they want to see. Yeah. You know what I mean? People, people want to call, oh, it's their race baiting. All he did was, I mean, you know, it's Trump is Trump, you know what I mean? I want to go into the more of the, the double standard where you have, and, and I guess because it's Trump, it's different, but I don't think a person's political views should be taken into account, you know what I mean, in how you judge them. It shouldn't be. It's just that this president, you know, <laughs> if you are a Trump supporter, and maybe I'm wrong here, but I automatically assume that you're a racist. 
You know what I mean? I cannot say that about any other president before, man. You know what I mean? I just cannot say. If, if, if somebody voted for Reagan, I, you know, okay, I could just say they were just a Republican. You know yeah. what I mean? They just mm-hmm. voted for their... But this president, if I know, if I see you with a MAGA hat, I automatically, maybe I'm wrong for that. So, <laughs> what up, Elena? Yeah, no. They say you should. They say you shouldn't judge, but it's like when you don't judge, you put yourself in a predicament to get fucked over. So, I mean, in this world with Trump being who he is and the world we live in, because of who Trump is, you kind of got to be judgmental. You know, I and. Obviously, you know, I'm about to play the devil's advocate. We just can't assume. Now, I will say this. To me, this is a, a great indication that something wrong with this man. This man definitely has an agenda that doesn't have anything to do with it. And I, I, I'm just saying black, right, at this point. He doesn't have an agenda uh, that highlights us in any, in any positive way. I've seen him take every opportunity to do things that denigrate, degrade, and undermine any progress that's made on a racial level. If you talk about race baiting, uh, you go no further than that office. And as far as like, at, at this point, you know, I probably would have had an argument with you to say, yeah, I can't say to everybody that's for, at this point, you're condoning his racist behavior. He's almost like uh, like President Archie Bunker at this point. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, <laughs> how could you not? Uh, Trezana Staples said, why do we even need any validation from this orange lard ass? You already know what his platform is. <laughs> hey, hey, shout out to you on that one. I mean, it, it's it's so evident in this. To leapfrog, we are a country that loves winners. He loves winners. Not even we're gonna talk about the country. Mm-hmm. We're gonna talk about him, his own words. He hates losers, he hates haters, and everyone's mad because they're losers and haters. Well, second place, if, if you're not in first place, mm-hmm. you in last place, you know. Let, let's take it from, uh, you know, uh, what's, what's my man from uh, Talladega Nights? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, Ricky Bobby. Ricky Bobby, from the book of Ricky Bobby, you know. So, I mean, I, his validation doesn't mean anything. But what I'm saying is you have a man that's on the largest platform in the world, and he doesn't miss a chance to be small. And this is just another indication. Up until about, I would say, about two days ago, I was figuring he'd be reelected by a landslide because I, I people say one thing in your face, but they do another outside. I'm starting to think that even people who were supporting him or had any type of sensibilities going to what you said, can't support this man as a person. I remember when Bill Clinton was in office, we, we don't even talk about any other president, uh, but Bill Clinton right now, I'm not in either way. And they call him a womanizing draft dodger. Well, what do you call Trump then? <laughs> yeah, you know, if you're supporting this guy, and this is this is not even a, a, a political thing. This is just a decency thing. It was a lot of young men that worked very hard to get to that platform, and for you to just pick the single out, I can see if you single out. We love winners. We're used to that. If you do, they invite the second place person, the runner up of the Super Bowl, to the White House. Do they invite the second person who was in March Madness to the White House? No. Who who do they invite? Do they invite the runner-up in a Masters tournament to the White House? Well, I mean, it's kind of different because if you get drafted, you win. You don't matter kind of what order it is. But the thing is, uh, Nick Bosa had already identified himself as a white supremacist. Yeah, he did. He his tweets. Yeah. If you look at his history, he's had several, t- you know, he, he was he was 
constantly bashing Kaepernick. Anybody who supported Kaepernick, anybody who he, he bashed Beyonce, Jay Z, anybody black, anybody, black. anybody, LeBron James, anybody, and they, and I, if you can go in there, you can see all these tweets. He's he, he shouted out Donald Trump. He, he's uh, make America great again. He's identified himself as a white supremacist. So there's no surprise why yeah. Donald Trump would, you know what I mean, congratulate him personally. personally yeah. That's Donald, that whole, so they, they, yeah, you know what I mean? I don't think so. it's necessarily because he's white. I think it's a lot of it's because he's a racist just like him. So I think that plays a lot into why he congratulated him. It's not more so just because he was somebody that's in whatever sport and he's a white guy. He's a great, awesome white guy that plays this sport. Had he not identified himself yeah. the way he did, yeah, he, he wouldn't. Have, he didn't credit yeah. nobody else. He no. wouldn't. Have, he still he wouldn't have shout out to the to the winner, but yeah. he damn sure wouldn't shout out to the other guy either. I mean, just what like Daniel Jones, you know. Me being a, a, a Buckeye fan, black quarterback uh, of, from Ohio State, you know, was to me was the second best, best quarterback in his draft. And he, they passed on the Giants, passed on him, and took a white boy, Daniel Jones. Yeah. You know what I mean? Now, Trump didn't tweet him. Yeah. Like, hey, you know what I mean? It was Nick Bosa had identified himself and aligned himself with Donald Trump, and Donald Trump gave him the nod. You know what I'm saying? A little yeah, wink. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? The wink, three wink. Figures you know what I'm saying? Little, yeah, it's like white a national side. Yeah. That's all that. That's all it was. Hey, hey, Josada said there are some melanated folk that love him and his racist agenda. Isn't that crazy that you have people who will go against their own? Just like you have women that yeah, love him. Yeah, like <laughs> which. Three three zero eight two six eleven seventy five for your opinion. Yeah, those are just people that are, are confused about who they are. Self hate, self hate. Those um, are those are the, the black people that be like you know. And you said you talking about an actor in Hollywood. So, I mean, y'all y'all can miss me with that. If y'all can't see uh, the blatant. Uh, bias. Blatant. Is it your family? Is it your face? It is, it's, it's all. It's comical. It, it is, is for him to even for, for him to for Nick Boss to have all those tweets, and he tried to he tried to take them down before the draft. Mm-hmm. So he tried to remove everything, but it already, the the toothpaste right. already out the tube. And so like that now that you know, and he gets drafted, and then Trump gives him a little wink and a nod in front of everybody, like you know what I mean? It's blatant. Yeah. It's just blatant. It's blatant identification of another racist to another racist. If you can't, I mean, a blind man can see that. Yeah. Yeah, That's just racist language. You sometimes you don't have to speak to somebody when y'all got that connection or y'all in that same group. You don't have to speak. You just look at each other. Y'all just give each other a little nod or what have mm-hmm. you, and y'all know what it, what it is, so mm-hmm. that ain't... Like, even if we don't win the Super Bowl, we're com- I'm coming to the White House. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't care what team wins the Super Bowl, I'll be there. Make the White House white again. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, I mean, you got this This guy, Bosa, is called Colin, uh, Colin, Colin Kaepernick, a, a clown. Uh, like I said, he's, he's, he's attacked a certain agendas, and then, you know, even in the sport, He's going to go to a league that's 70, 75% African-American men. Ironically, to the same team that Kyle Kaepernick played for, yeah, the that. 49ers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, just the, the irony abound. Yeah. You know, so. and, I, and just, you know, speaking on, I don't, I know I shouldn't 
and I'm normally not the type of person that I identify, but at, at this point, like when I know somebody, I got a guy I work with, and uh, uh, a Mexican guy just told, told me, like, yeah, he's a, I had him on Facebook, he's a Donald Trump supporter. And he's like, oh, oh okay, I never, I never knew it. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I can't help but look at the guy different, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> but it wasn't just that because he was like, man, he tweets a lot of bullshit, build the wall, da, da, da. I mean, I'm not surprised. Guy? The Mexican guy's telling me about the white guy. Oh, okay. Because okay. they're friends on Facebook. You know, I don't fuck with, <laughs> I'm sorry, I don't fuck with people on Facebook or my job like that. You know what I mean? So he was like, yeah, I be going, he was telling how he go in there trolling him, you know what I mean? Because he be posted build the wall stuff because they don't like him, you know what I mean? <laughs> And it's like, you know, but he, he didn't even have to say all that. When he said he was a Trump supporter, I would, I just, I was like, okay, it did surprise me. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's just hard not to associate uh, racism with a Trump supporter because either way you look at it, everything, his whole campaign was built on racism. Everything yeah. that he campaigned was, was, had something to do with racism. I it, agree. It wasn't racism against African Americans, it was racist yeah. against, uh, the, uh, Mexicans, Mexicans, Mexicans or, or the uh, Islamophobia. Yeah, so yeah. You, every everything. So how can you support anything that he says when everything that he says is racist? So there's, you know, what's, it's not even a stretch. What you said is just facts. It's, yeah. So it's, it's hard not to support. And yeah. I know people that are white that were are in my life that support Trump. And I had to start like, well, damn. Hey, you know? you know what? Like I said, what changed, what turned the tide for me is when I had people I know who were supporting him was like, hey, I can't support this guy anymore. The last, just like the, just his actions, the obstruction of justice, the yeah. whole nine. More, more along the facts that he said because they didn't commit a crime. Now they tried to, but since a crime wasn't committed, I wasn't obstructing. But you were trying to hide the facts about the fact that you were trying to obstruct justice. That's how so many young brothers go to jail. It wasn't the fact that they sold drugs. It was the attempt. There was the intent on selling drugs. If you have a certain amount of drugs right. on you and they got, you you bought drugs with the intent to distribute. How do you know my intent? My intent was to smoke it. Right. How you mm. know I didn't want to go home you know, and smoke it? I bought a pound of weed. Mm. I was going right. you know, to smoke you that said, up. No, but you said I had the intent to distribute because of the amount. So how is it that you have someone who's sitting in the highest land, mm -hmm. the highest office in the land that doesn't apply to the same rules, miss me with that. This is why you get people of our ilk who call BS to the whole system. And this is why you get so many people who are dis, who, who feel just so disenchanted with the whole political system, the whole nine, because of the way they see your hypocrisy. How could we ever have used anybody like you as a measuring stick? How could we have ever thought at any time to be anything like the people who are in power meant that we were doing something that was progressive? Mm -hmm. It's got to be a better way because you are not the moral marker. You're the person that threw, that threw the rock and put your arm behind your back. And what I say to any politician out there, research your roots. And if any of you can say that you're native to this land, then you can say... You can have all your stances on immigration and you want to stop this other thing. But if you go and go back several generations and you can't go across the pond and you can't go uh, up north or, or east, miss me with that. Only Native Americans can be telling these immigrants to get out. And they'll be talking to y'all because they ain't talking to us because we were here too. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So y'all miss, miss us with that. It's just For like real. so many other things. They cherry pick what is suitable for them. So whatever they need to pick to have their uh, 
story or their agenda be fit, so then they pick and cherry. They chicken uh, pick and cherry <laughs> whatever <laughs> is suitable for them. That's so, it. That's it. Patrick Bubba Boy Cole. What's up, Patrick Bubba Cole? What's up, Patrick Bubba Boy Cole? What's up, y'all? This is the full disclosure show, man. Dang, I'm not winning the first. Y'all know what it is. Big Dick Daffy, Bobby Rich Green, Lisa, Lisa, the little lady of the house. You know what I mean? We were just discussing the, you know, the whole racist double standard with Trump tweeting Nick Bosa, you know what I mean? And and and, and all that bullshit. <laughs> but, um, we're gonna let me read this comment. <laughs> you could say as a Trump supporter that you're not racist, but has anybody ever given legitimate political reason for riding with him? Not really, not that well, I see. You know it, what I mean? And and you know, it's crazy because a lot of the black supporters that I know of Trump, and I've seen other ones where, where it's different, but a lot of the black supporters that I see support him because they feel like God put him in office. Yeah. Like, because the Bible says God puts our leaders in office, and that's why they support him. And it's that's like, what my family members you know what I mean? I mean, it, it's yeah. crazy, but that that's what I see from a lot of the, the black supporters of Trump that I see. It, it always comes from a religion stand, religious standpoint, and that's what my mama supported. But, but really, honestly, Flat if you really think about it, it's is. not really too far out the realm of spectrum. I mean, people were supporting slavery because the Bible said it was yeah, okay. Exactly. So mm-hmm. that's not too far out. It's not exactly. Yeah. That's why they put them the scriptures yeah. in there in the first place. You know what I'm saying? He's done. You put two or two together. You know what I mean? Uh, that was, that was yeah. a big thing. The abortion thing was her biggest thing. Like. She feel like, you know, the Democrats are for abortion and so Republicans get her vote just because of that. I think it's crazy because it's going against all your best interests. What, what What's amazing to me is that they're talking about immigrants and they're, they're trying to cut into Medicaid. They're cutting into uh, Social Security, Medicare, the whole nine. But they talk about socialism, like people like Bernie Sanders or anybody on the Democratic, the New Green Deal. They talk about it being some form of socialism. But we have socialism for businesses, for big business in America. It is socialism. That too big to fail thing is just a way of keeping the rich rich and making sure that the poor is poor. Like Martin Luther King said, and I'm paraphrasing, we have socialism for the rich and we have extreme individualism for the poor. I'll leave it at that. Yeah, we're going to leave it at that. You know what I mean? And it's just, it is what it is. So uh, we're going to move on to the next topic. Is it uh, you or me? You. I'll go. You go and take on, take it, take take it away, Miss Lisa Lisa Burnett. Lisa Lisa. So I want to talk about um, being a um, survivor versus being a victim of your circumstances. Okay. So, you know, I'm at this point in my life where I'm starting to. Well, do a more inner searching, understanding of myself. Like that. And so I came to an understanding that <clears throat> in my quest of manifesting my life and manifesting the things that I wanted, I got what I wanted. I'm getting what I wanted when I'm manifesting. But what I realized is that I had to manifest myself, meaning I had to manifest my behavior. So because of the things that I have been through in my life, I was reacting to that 
-hmm. now in this new life. So now that I have manifested all these beautiful things and gotten all these things that I want and things is going the way that I want them to go, I'm still behaving as if I was still back in the day, you know, when all these crazy things was going. Mm -hmm. So I'm not bringing the right energy into my circle, which is causing, you know, this is causing rift in my circle. So now I got to figure out how not to be a victim. When you, when you try not to be a victim, sometimes you become a victim. And I think that's what I know. That's what happened to me. And my question, not being a victim, trying so hard not to be a victim of what this person did to me, that person did to me, Mm -hmm. I actually became a victim and it was really going through like, crazy moment in my life and I couldn't figure out why the fuck does this keep happening I'm like I'm doing this I'm doing that and that's when I had to step back and take a look and just and just really taking an understanding of myself and understanding that you know when you a victim a victim is more somebody that blames everybody else for that for their own actions but the survivor is more of a person that takes responsibility for their own acts that's right. And I felt as if I thought I was taking responsibility, but really in reality, I wasn't taking responsibility. And you see that that starts to seep down into your family and it seeps down into your kids. And, you know, now that I'm starting to have an understanding of that, I start to see, you know, some, some of the things that maybe my kids have done or be do- have done or are doing makes more sense now mm-hmm. because I feel as if I have wiped on wiped my energy onto them. So now I have to take that responsibility to fix myself so that I am a survivor and not a victim. Not a victim. You know what I'm saying? I want to be a creator. Okay. And it's, it's like a creator and a survivor are one and the same. When you are create, when you gotta survive, you gotta create a situation in order to survive the situation that you're trying to overcome. Okay. So in a sense, you're a creator. You're creating a situation to be to get over whatever it is, whatever you gotta do to get over your situation. That's what you need to do, or you're gonna become a victim, mm-hmm. as I did. A permanent victim, at that. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I was. I just think, I just want people to know that, you know, if you're in a situation that you can overcome, and I seriously and honestly wholeheartedly believe that I don't, it does not matter what it is. Rape, uh, being uh, into sex trafficking, being a junkie, your mama was a junkie, your daddy was a crackhead, whatever, you can overcome that. Right. You just got to really want it in your heart, and you is not alone. Y'all are not alone if you feel as if you were a victim. There are other right. people out there like like you and I just want people to know that you're not alone and you can overcome it. Yeah, Patrick Bub- Boy Cole said responsibility is something that's lacking in a lot of people. What's up, Kim Cottonball? Well, What's we up, all Con- been conditioned not to take responsibility. Brother Ted, yeah. You know, we all have been conditioned to focus on what we don't want and thinking, you know, that's how you get what you want. Correct. But you know, when you manifest in the universe, you say, I don't want this, I don't want this. The universe doesn't know that. that you don't want it. You're right. It just knows <laughs> you, you, that's you, you keep thinking about it. About yeah, it so it's going to break it to you. Yeah. Gonna give wow. you. you know, you hit something on the head. If you don't mind me, I'd like to interject yeah, right, on that. Right. I, I think 
I'm going to piggyback off of what Patrick said. Responsibility is something that a lot of people is lacking. I think that in thinking that way, you 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 get a victim's mentality. Yeah. And you're defensive about a lot of things. And you, you paper thin. You're, like, you're, you're real thin-skinned. You can't take any type of criticisms. It, it makes it hard for you to function because of the things that you went through in your life. I mean, I'm speaking for personal things. And it's like, I, I, don't, I don't know if I do certain things on a personal level, but I know on a business level. I have had the tendency to say, I wonder how this person is viewing me. I better do this because they might view it like this, or I, I shouldn't make this call at this particular time because they might do it. No, the thing is, I need to do whatever I need to do consistently all the time in order to be successful. See, I, I don't look at it as like an interpersonal thing, and it could be I have a, a, a grandiose sense of self-worth. You know, So a lot of things that affected me probably don't affect me like they affect other people. But, I mean, I've had some things. But mine on a more professional level. Like last night, even, I mean, just on a regular level, I was driving and the police got behind me. And they drove behind me for two, three miles. You know, every turn I made, they made, you know, it, it starts to wear on you. I think that my experience as a black man has given me a victim mentality to certain degrees on certain things. I'm like, here we go again. This cop followed me. You know, I'm like, you know, I'm thinking brother eggs, you know, blah, blah, you know, this, this, this bullshit. I, I, I make a left, they make a left. I had to get out this way. They get, I said, okay, they're going to run my place. They, they wait until I do something yeah. illegal so they can pull me over for no apparent reason. And, you know, you start attracting that. Because I saw the cop. I said, watch, he's going to get behind me. Everything you just said, what did he do? I, I'm I'm going a quarter mile up. He, he pulls out, gets right behind me. Because you, I, you sincerely, whatever you mm. think, you attract, you attract it to it. yourself. And I you agree. may not come at that moment but it's going to come if you keep focusing on if that. you keep focusing on that the and, negativity y'all listening to that and what's I up mean, Janice I've been really you know trying to think about things and the deeper I think about things the more I talk to my family and everything it makes sense but even when they're talking to me and they're saying like well this happened this happened this is why this is why I'm like, well, this is why, this is why, this is what you need to do. You're bringing it to you. And it's and it's kind of therapeutic because I'm talking to them, and as I'm talking to them, it's bringing back things that happened to me that I need to deal with in order to get past this. I'm good. a victim. The woe is me. You know, yeah. why I thought, it's like, I thought being tough and being keeping that wall up was not being a victim, which in reality, that is being a victim. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty deep. That is deep. Trezana Staples said, yes, we all have to do the work every day. It doesn't stop. What's going on, Janice Ogletree? We got some more stuff coming on. Uh, greetings, family. Veronica Thornton says, self-evaluation is one of the hardest things to do. Facing yourself, you find out who you really are and what and what you've convinced yourself you are. Yeah. Uh, we attract what we think, is what Trezana Staples said. Mm -hmm. I mean, all these are profound. Yeah. Derek, you've been kind of quiet on this, man. I mean, I'm letting everybody go. Okay, know? okay. So, uh, I mean, it's it's. I think it's a choice, man. It's it's real. It's real. It sounds simple, and it is. It's a choice. Like all of us have had things happen to us. <clears throat> Excuse me. All of us have experienced things. All of us have been kicked when we down. We've been teased. We've been molested. We've been beat. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. We've all been victims at one point. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Somebody or something happens to you. And you have no control over it. That's true. You know what I mean? But the, the thing, we can always, you can choose to stay a victim 
where you can choose to be a survivor. You can say choose that. to say, you know what, you know, I'm, you can, like you just said, you know, I'm making a decision, but I'm not going to let what happened to me continue to affect my future. That's right. You know, when you're saying you build that wall, you know, that's exactly that's what right. you're saying. Uh-huh. You're right. allowing something to happen to you to affect where you're going tomorrow. And I see it all the time, and I see people who, who stay victims. You know, it's never their fault. It's always somebody did this to me, and somebody did this to me. Same. You know what I mean? Like, no, you like people can do something to you, but you don't have to let that affect you. There was a time when I would let somebody might say the wrong thing to me in the morning, and I would let that ruin my whole day. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, and, 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 yeah. and I was like, nah, I'm not about to allow somebody else being an asshole to affect my whole mood. You know what I mean? I'm not going to allow, I'm not going to do that. That's, and that's something small. You know what I mean? But we have the power over our reality. And it sounds like, you know, but we, most of us don't exercise. It was a quote that was, it was real deep. And it says, some people are so afraid to heal or get rid of the things that hold them back because that's become their identity. You know what I mean? Like that they, is a profound they, statement. They, their whole identity is being a victim. Like that's what keeps them going. You know what I mean? It's like without that crutch for people feeling sorry or me feeling sorry for myself, man, this world don't owe you a motherfucking thing. Say you know that. what I mean? It just don't. So you have to. We ha- all have to make the choice whether you want to be a victim or whether you want to be a survivor. You know what I mean? And some people are comfortable. They love being victims. They love it. You know, what we we just had some um, where uh, Cotton Ball said, being a survivor is a choice. To be humble is a choice. And, you know, I, I love the way you, you paraphrase that, man. It's like uh, you, you have to get that. For one, you got to get the victim's, victim's mentality out your head. Mm-hmm. We've, we've all been through something, like you said. We all been picked on. We all been bullied. We all lost a job. We all lost somebody we love. I think that each person... When you come against something that that is trying, you have to keep in mind that everybody's going through something every day. It's just how do you show it? You know, we all got money problems. I don't care if you Warren Buffett. You ain't never got enough of it. Don't get Mm -hmm. me wrong. We all have relationship problems. We all have confidence problems. We all want to be a little taller. We all want to be a little shorter. We all want to be a little thinner. We all want to be a little bigger. We all have something that we want, but don't, I would just implore you, don't, don't let that dictate or make you feel bad about yourself or continually make you, you victimize your own self or, mm-hmm. or feel sorry for you. Don't feel so sorry for yourself. You don't leave room for other people. I even looked up this, um, online, this, uh, I was trying to figure out words and just doing some research on victims and survivors. And I came across this thing. It was called Victims versus Creator's Language. And it just has uh, different things of what victims categorize themselves as Mm -hmm. and how a survivor categorizes themselves as. And it was really interesting as to um, how they looked at themselves. Like one example is uh, a creator focuses on how to improve the situation okay. while a victim uh, focuses on the weaknesses um, a victim makes excuses and a creator seeks uh, solutions so those are just a little examples yeah, of a couple. these are good those are very good I like those a victims complain 
and creators turn complaints into requests. Victims compare themselves unfavorably to others and creators seek help from, um, from their most skills. Victims blame and creators accept responsibilities. That's a big one right there. Yeah. That's a huge one. Um, victims see problems as permanent and creators treat problems as temporary. Victims repeat ineffective behaviors. Creators do some, something new. Victims try. Vic, uh, creators do. Victims predict defeat and give up. Creators think positively and look for a better choice. So I just think that these is real interesting and I'm go, I printed out some printed this out for some of my family members because we were discussing this. Mm. Now I'm gonna print this and tape it up on my wall so I can put it on my vision board basically to help with uh, getting through what I'm trying to get through. That's it. And not being a victim. Hey, what's going on, Tanya Mitchell, April Boykins? Davis, how you doing? Uh, Ted Whitfield said, the mind is the most powerful gift in this human experience. Distractions are creations of our mind as well. Harnessing the ability to set intentions and focus are the foundation of manifesting. Uh, people haven't instructed, people haven't been instructed on focusing. Mm -mm. That is that is very, very true. Got a little, little hiccup there. So, uh, you know, that's pretty deep to it. Math, math and science, Ted went on to say, Patrick Robert Boy Cole said, ain't nothing like thinking that you're smarter than you really are. Then life be like, sit your dumb ass down. And being humble hurts. <laughs> Sometimes that's good, though. I mean, it's good to have a, um, I don't want to say like an inflated ego, but uh, it's a show that come on called The Shot. I don't know if y'all have mm -hmm. seen that. There's a young dude in there named Papa. Papa. And he's just so confident. He's just so swagged out. He's a little thick boy. You would think he have self-confidence issue. He's the most confident guy on the show. And it's just you. he makes everybody feel good when he come around. So it's something to be said about that too, Patrick. It, it, it's good. Like uh, Scott Ferguson once told me. He's like, Rich, it, it's okay for people to think you are an idiot or that you're dumb. It's up to you to open your mouth and remove all doubts. So you don't want to go too mm -hmm. far with yeah. it. Yeah. You know, Janice Ogletree said, no longer a victim uh, to pit. Uh, thank you. Bypass. Hello, future. It is what it is. Say that. You've been through a lot. Uh, Ty Mitchell said, hello, lovelies. Lovelies. Uh, what's up? What's, what's up, up, big sis? So, yeah, man. That, hey, I'm loving that. I feel that. Yo, don't be a victim your whole life. I mean, and I've seen, I've seen it time and time again, man. It's one of the things. And what you mentioned, the people who it's never their fault. It's always <laughs> somebody else did something to them. Okay. It's like how, when do you, when do you, when, you know, what we talking about? You accept responsibility. Personal, we talking about personal growth a couple weeks ago. Yeah. And, okay. and, and, learn, and learning yourself and being self-aware and trying to be a better person. You know what I mean? Those type of things. You can't, you just a constant victim. Like, you know, I know guys that, well, people that talk about shit that happened to them when they were eight years old. You know what I mean? They still dwell on that shit. Like, it's Say like, that. come on, man. You know, I got picked on. I got bullied, you know what I mean? I refuse to let that be, you know, imprint of who I am. You so know that, what I mean? I refuse uh, to nah, you just I just feel like you you know, when you going on your journey in life, your own spiritual journey, you have to look at them wounds and you have to build, get stronger. Like, hey, you know, I'm a survivor, man. Yeah. I, you know, it, it happened but it ain't it ain't gonna continue to happen. You know what's so crazy though, somebody call that 
toxic femininity or toxic masculinity to say, hey, you need to move past that. But why is it that you have certain people who are always victims? Like, I start to cut people off. If I don't cut you off, like, <laughs> you know, block you Facebook, don't call you, mentally I'm shutting down on yeah. you. Hey, you re real quick story. I think I've said this before, but I remember I watched this news story about this woman. She was a, she was a surfer. I was out in California. And she was out there pregnant, surfing on the surfboard, and she got attacked by a shark. And the shark bit her a couple times, let her go. She got loose, punctured her, but the baby was able to survive. Nice. And they delivered the baby. They both, they both lived. And then they followed up on the story, like, a couple years later, and she's out in the ocean <laughs> with the kid. You know what I mean? <laughs> the same ocean. And, you know, my initial thought was like, what the yeah. fuck is that? <laughs> then but you get a warning, but, but you know what? But then you think, are you, is she going to be a victim? Is she going to be a survivor? I love to surf. I'm not going to let this situation prevent me from surfing. I'm going back out there. And you know what? I'm like, I, looking at it now, I can't do nothing but commend it. Yeah. Hey, hey, I'm not about to let this situation. I, I surfed a million times and never got bit by no shark. I'm about to go out here again. Yeah. I, that's balls. Hey, man. <laughs> hey, real that's talk. That's a big old ball. I skydived once. And the parachute didn't open. Oh, Lord. The main parachute didn't open because it was a tandem dive. Luckily, the emergency parachute opened, but we fell smacked the ground pretty damn hard. At that point, I was ready to get back on the plane and do it again. After further consideration, <laughs> I, I figured I beat death once. I cheated death yeah. once. Thank you, Lord. So I wouldn't be on that surfboard again with my baby out the ocean. Ted Whitfield went on to say, the rules of the laws of attraction apply to every experience dating back to past life experiences. So y'all keep that. Rules of attraction. Uh, laws of attraction. Giants Ogletree said, I'm on fire for success. No more letting people play the victim on me. 100. That's true. What's up, Dwight D. Johnson? Thomas, Tom, Tom, McL, Rath, how you doing, big bro? 330-826-1175 if you want to join the conversation. D, I'm going to turn that on. All right, y'all. D, full disclosure show where we tell it like a T.I.S. You know what it is. Derek Lamont wins the first. Big Dick Daxley, Rich Green, Lisa, Lisa. Since we on victims, you know what I mean? I'm going to roll over to... Surviving the Catholic Church, you know what I mean? <laughs> Since we've done surviving R. Kelly and surviving Neverland, you know what I mean? And since we spent so much resources, and we've covered those on this show too. And I've seen the memes like, well, why don't they ever talk about what the Catholic Church do? We want to talk about it today, you know what I mean? Because I just recently seen a, a, another priest. I mean, there's just so many of them. There's so many of them, like the, the, the abuse and the systematic pedophilia that goes on, and it's like nobody really wants to talk about it. Where is the Oprah Winfrey documentaries? Where is the HBO specials? Where is the Cinemax specials? I mean, where are they? Every two days I'm seeing a priest. How big is that rug? They're you know, sweeping they, that under. They, I mean, my goodness, <laughs> man, you know, because they have people in very high places. The Vatican, you see what happened with, with the Notre Dame. Dame caught fire. The Notre Dame catch fire, you know. And I, I, bet you, I bet you some of them players just with little boys, they got felt on, too. You know what I mean? And it was a little article. I just want to read a little bit of it that I was going through. 
cases of child sexual abuse by Catholic priests, nuns, and members of religious orders in the 20th and 21st century have been widespread and have led to many, 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 many allegations, <laughs> investigations, trials, convictions, as well as revelations about decades of attempts by the church to cover up, not to stop, cover up reported incidents. The abuse include mostly boys, but also girls, some of young as three years old, with the majority between the ages of 11 and 14. Criminal cases do not, for the most part, cover sexual harassment in the workplace against persons who have renounced sexual activity, therefore pre-declined sexual advances. The categories include all priests and seminarians and all religious brothers and sisters. The accusations began to receive isolated, sporadic publicity from the late 1900s. And I'm going to skip down here. By the 1990s, the case began to receive significant media and public attention in some countries, especially <laughs> in Canada, Australia, and through a series of television and documentaries after suffer, which is in Ireland, led to uh, media coverage, and then you finally get to the United States. Over the last decade, widespread abuse has been exposed in Europe, Australia, Chile, and the United States. That, why is that widespread? What we got? Chile, Australia, man, 2001 and 2010, the Holy See, the central governing body of the Catholic Church, considered sexual abuse allegations involving 3,000 priests dating back 50 years. Jesus. Goodness gracious. Christ. Hold on, before we even. <laughs> we got yes, Hold on. Okay, Veronica Thornton said there is more strength in being a survivor than a victim. I've been a victim of many things, but I, I became a survivor by changing my perspective and doing the work, constantly stepping out of my comfort zone. Uh, only two things fall out of the sky, Thomas said. Tyne said, Derek, you're absolutely right. Taking responsibility for your mistakes gives you the power back to turn it around. Uh, Thomas said, hey, what's good, y'all people? Oh, shit, y'all talking about them creeps. I'm out. Love, peace, and hair grease. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, keep going, no, dude, man. You on fire with this one. I, I, wow. We're, we're going we're gonna to jump down here again. In 2001, apology, John Paul II caused sexual abuse within the church, a profound contradiction of the teaching and witness of Jesus Christ. Hmm, you don't say. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just stop right there, man. But, you know... I, I would like to get y'all thoughts on this whole topic of conversation, Miss Lisa. Um, <clears throat> um, <laughs> I mean, this is just normal behavior for them. Mm -hmm. That's what they do. To not be touching on little boys and little girls, mainly little boys, you is the eyeball. You are shunned upon for not touching on little boys. So it came from Greek and went down to Catholics, which one is the same and the same is the one. So, I mean, it's no different than them covering up all these celebrities, touching and raping on all these kids. As long as you got that moolah, you can touch and rape and do whatever it's you damn It's part of the subculture. It's part of the subculture. If this had been the mafia, all these guys have been in prison. Like, you're talking about widespread for 
centuries. We talking about centuries. We like this is the foundation. Yeah. The whole whole religion is built on this rape. Is the foundation. They are disgusting individuals. Me personally, I wouldn't even want to be in that hierarchy of richness of being a billionaire. I wouldn't even want to be in that hierarchy because I wouldn't even want to associate myself with people who would do such atrocities. I mean, me personally, if I'm gonna be, I want to be wealthy, but let me be a silent wealthy. Let me be financially mm. wealthy silently over here so I can have a normal life. So I don't think wealth is synonymous with sodomy and, and molestation. Were you that wealthy? I mean, Were you no, got that I, much I, power? I, no, I, I just don't think the two equate. I think that they probably feel the people you're discussing in that that probably feel like they're above the law and they can do these crazy things. But I don't think, I mean, I'm not that wealthy, but I would like to think that if I was, I wouldn't all of a sudden say, hey, I wonder what that little boy is all about right over there. So uh, Ted Whitfield said the most powerful organization in the world wasn't touched during any of the wars of the world. They also have the best assassins on the planet, and they know the magic the Vatican gets its power from, our ancient knowledge. Oprah don't want no smoke. <laughs> <laughs> and that's basically what it is. That's what, and it's going to what you said. <laughs> when you talk about money, when you talk about moral. power, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And when, you know, money is one of the things that can empower you, but being a hierarchy member in an organization such as the Catholic Church, can empower you. So if, if you already having those freaking nasty, you know what I mean? Dogs, whatever, yeah. you know, uh, whatever will empower you to carry that shit out, you know, whatever that, it, you know, people going to do what they're going to do. You need, some, you need some checks and balances. Yeah. Uh, if, if you're my, I do really want to answer that. I just don't feel like it's, it's a fair assessment to say that every billionaire is a rapist or will want to, to molest kids. And I, I would say it's a fair assessment to say that it's pervasive within that body, that governing body, because ain't nothing being done about it. If you're just going to get a slap on the wrist for molesting somebody, that's shame on you. And the fact that we're not exposing the, the, the Catholic Church more for this, and the fact that we came with fire and brimstone for Bill Cosby, we came with fire and brimstone for R. Kelly, we come with fire and brimstone for Michael Jackson, where is that same energy that's the whole for the point. Catholic Church? Yeah. You know, just don't don't sit here and 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 say we got to be held accountable. Everybody got to be held accountable. And when you get people who defend and see people say, well, how could you defend a rapist? How could you defend a molester when they're talking about us defending our, our black superheroes? Let's just say that our super Negroes. Um, it's like, this is why. Because we know ain't nothing going to happen to them. We going to jail. Mm -hmm. R. Kelly going to jail. Bill Cosby going to jail. Michael was here. They figure out a way to get him in jail. They might dig him up and put his <laughs> coffin in the cell just to do it. You know what I'm saying? They, you gonna get justice against us, and we gonna make sure that we disassociate ourselves because we feel it's right. Because if that was our child, we want that. If that was us, we want that. But if y'all ain't getting right now that you your sentiment is not felt by dominant society, I don't know what to tell you. Dominant society will do any and everything that they want to do, and you do the same thing, you wrong. They'll just change the laws to make sure whatever they did was right. Lisa, I didn't mean to cut you off so no, you want to say good. something. I don't think every billionaire is a pedophile, but I do feel um, the greater good in that community 
is it just some weird shit? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't, I don't feel everybody in, the, in that community to be touching those little boys. I got you. I got you. You know, but I do feel like it's the same, kind of the same concept as we just talked about the Trump supporters. Mm-hmm. They say they ain't racist, but yet you support what they do. Yeah. You say that you're not in that shit, yeah. but yet you're supporting what the, you're mm-hmm. in the Catholic yeah. Religion, you support what the Catholics do, so yeah, you're a supporter right. of pedophilia. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, you attend the mass. I mean, because this is what they're doing. This is this is these numbers is crazy. You, and, and these are and these are the numbers that they have. Just imagine the ones that who is quiet, who is quiet, and who don't want to say nothing. Yeah. And when we're talking about boys, you know, boys are, are less likely to say anything. Yeah, especially mm-hmm. being as another man, especially it's being. The priest, someone, someone of power, yeah, yeah. you know what I mean. Of the stage. Yeah, it's like a. You don't want them to look at you as being homosexual, mm-hmm. and b. Who gonna believe you that a priest, mm-hmm. a man of the cloth, is gonna do these horrible things? At, to see, you? at this point, when in reality, <laughs> they be the main ones. At this point, that, I would be inspired. I, I wouldn't even want my kid up in there by itself. I, 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 be, I dare him. When you think about priesthood, I mean, you taking a vow to not be with a woman. This is not natural for a man not to want a woman. And then you you putting yourself in a position that you get somebody small and innocent. You shouldn't be taking advantage of that, for one. For two, they should allow a priest to have a wife. That, let's just get that out the way. I, don't, I can't fathom what concept would even... Would that make? I mean, how does that make sense in any fashion, form, concept? I don't understand. What is your purpose to not let somebody have a wife? You what take a vow, chastity. No, but see, they vow not to have sex with women. Exactly, and that's that. That's weirdo homosexual. They vow not to have that's a wife. That's the agape love you're talking about. What is it? What we talk about the Greek stuff, yeah, yeah. yeah. So when you talk about that's the foundation of their the belief system. Hey, Ted Whitfield said the universe doesn't care who uses ritual magic. Trezana Staples said many pedophiles hide behind religion. It is not talked about because the churches have money. Catholics, Episcopals, Presbyterians, Mormons, Baptists, and Jewish. Hold on, I'm gonna go back there. And Jewish, just to name a few. What's up, Al? Read the dread. Veronica went on to say, Veronica Thor. Money just makes it so you have more ways to be who you really are. Mm-hmm. If you have no more moral compass, it just becomes heightened with money and access. I agree. What's going on with you, Lamar? Uh, Bernice Richardson, Gary, how you doing? Thank you for joining us. Go ahead, Derek. I mean, cut you no, off. No, I wasn't saying anything, but uh, I will say something. You know. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's just, and and that's when you. That's kind of the reason why I wanted to bring this up. Because we, we had talk. We did Bill Cosby. Mm-hmm. We did R. Kelly. Mm-hmm. We did Michael Jackson. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So I was just kind of, you know, <laughs> waiting to get, in, get in, yeah, to get in this one. You know what I mean? Because I, and actually I've been sitting back waiting for the documentary. Like, okay, let me just, let me just see. Because it's going to be, yeah, because it's going to be a big expose that's going to be shown on one of these big platforms. You know what I mean? Because I've seen stories. You see, I've seen it's been covered. But I don't think it's been covered to the extent that I think it should be it covered. It needs to be covered like a 12-part documentary. <laughs> yeah. Because it's been going on for centuries. Uh, not, you know, yeah, that agape. So y'all and look that, that agape, up. Agape. agape love, y'all. Agape y'all better, love. Y'all, look y'all that better, up. That yeah. is a real term. Yeah, y'all better get hip to that. Hey, man, I'm just say this. You're dealing with 
a situation in which $700 million was raised in 24 hours. These people ain't playing. If they want something to go away, they want somebody to shut up. They want... Mm -hmm. Hey, bro, this ain't just somebody dancing and singing on the stage. These are people, very powerful people, who can make things happen, move mountains, and disappear. If they wanted hunger to end tomorrow, if I could raise a billion dollars in 24 hours, I could end hunger tomorrow. So y'all, y'all, I mean, we got our, all our, our, they got all their principles mixed up. We ain't got ours mixed up. We just ain't got the money yet, but we coming for it. See, the thing is, we want to do right by the world. We don't create things that destroy the world. Mm -hmm. We don't just want to take resources from the world. You look anywhere where we're dominant, the soil gets better. I just had a conversation with people. The soil itself become better. You know, man, hold on. I'm just going to these comments. Patrick Bubba Boy, call y'all. Y'all don't want me unearthing this stuff. Uh, there was a time where the priests, police, and the politicians uh, was once looked upon as upstanding examples of justice and fairness. Now they're the enemies to the public. I don't think that is necessarily, they just control the narrative. The Dark Ages had nothing to do with fire. The fire was invented. They had torches, they had oil, they had everything. The Dark Ages had everything to do with those in power, the aristocracies and the uh, politicians and the clergy controlled the narrative of the time because they kept the masses ignorant. So they will teach you enough to learn about the Bible. They will teach you enough to pay your taxes. But they won't teach you enough to come from out of it. And then until they started kidnapping us and enslaving us and helping them enrich themselves, did they project that type of stuff on us? Prior to that, it was a caste system that was not born out of necessarily colorism, but it was born out of social stature mm -hmm. and where you were born. So if you were born to a lower class, you were substandard. But once they start kidnapping people with dark faces and dark skins, that whole dynamic changed. Mm -hmm. And then that was thrust upon us, and it's been permanently done that way. But, I mean, once you kind of learn the etymology of the hate, of the greed, and it all goes back to greed. All of this stuff is greed. It's greed and it's power. How can I be so perverse? Just imagine what our ancestors went through. If they're raping their own kids, what do you think they were doing to the people in chains? You think this is a new phenomenon? You think, you think these people, that absolute power corrupts absolutely. Facts. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. You know what I mean? So, uh, what's up? Did you read? Oh, yeah, that Patrick Bubba Boy called. It's crazy, man. It's crazy. Right? You know what I mean? So, we're going to shed light on it. You know what I'm saying? Bring the, bring the heat because if you're still putting your kids in Catholic school, man, shame on you. You know what I'm saying? Shame <laughs> on you. You know what I mean? I wouldn't even. I wouldn't even want to be associated with it. Me neither. You know what I mean? I, I wouldn't would be even scared want to, to yeah. send my kids to no. a Catholic school. No. I'm scared to go to regular church. Let alone. I mean, you got to be wary of everybody. You really got to yeah. be wary of everybody. But when there's a an organization that has this amount of accusations, yeah, no, nah, I can You know, they got to be some truth somewhere. You're not gonna tell me that all three thousand. Little boys is no, lying. No, you're not gonna you're not gonna convince me of that. So, and the Catholic Church is not the only organization. They had the uh, there was an article about the Boy Scouts of America. Yeah, I just Boy, saw that. Did you see I that? Just saw that yeah. Where they have uh, started to uh, come up with accusations of being molested by these uh, Boy Scout leaders and 
camp leaders and, and things of that nature. Indeed, before you click off, I'm going to this. Veronica Thor said, there are the gatekeepers of many sects. If the Catholic Church falls and the skeletons will start parading in the streets from oozing out of the crevices. Hey, you know, uh, who was that one guy? Uh, Kevin Spacey. Remember, uh, this thing came down, his stuff with the 14-year-old boy, and it was about to come down hard on Kevin. Blowing the lid off this whole MF and thing. Everybody, everybody going down with me. You telling everybody. When the last time you heard something about Kevin Spacey? That's what I'm saying. And, you know, people, just don't don't, don't be fooled. This, this stuff is deep. It go deep. I, I even applaud you for even bringing this up. Yeah, so because right, because right, it's a hard thing. <laughs> and we gonna miss it, y'all. Know, <laughs> no, but see, people gonna take it the wrong. Like you, you, you not, uh, you not accusing Catholicism itself. You, you, you were talking about the construct of it and the fact that it's hiding its ugly face. Remove this stuff out of there. Remove the pedophilia yeah, I mean, out of it. You, what you, you just, I just read. They're trying. They're trying so hard, putting so much energy. And covering the issues up instead of instead of eliminating, eliminating. And when you do that right there, you you're endorsing it in your organization. You're endorsing it in your organization. Man, so, so damn, of all people, should already know law of attraction. What you focus on is what you bring to attention. They've been focusing on so much to not focus on it that y'all fools have brought it to light. And the little boys are tired of getting raped. That's they tired of get, uh, They 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 go to church. With a good heart, an yeah. open heart. Want to be altar boys right. or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Trying to thinking that they doing what is right, and in their mind and their culture, that's right. Okay, I don't agree with it, but okay. And, and and also on top of that, my parents is putting me here. Yeah, say that. You know what I mean? My parents yeah. are putting me in this position, and and giving this. You know, my parents are looking at this man like he's got. He like he's got. And this man is doing this to me. You know what I mean? Yeah, how do you? How does you? How does a kid how do you process that? And how do you not feel abandoned? How do you not feel, you know, some way against authority, religion, your God? I just shout out to those survivors. Yeah, yeah. and that's and once again, don't don't dissect this like again. Yeah, this was not an attack on Catholicism in general, even though, you know. <laughs> we have our issues with the tenets of religion in general. It is the fact that y'all covering this stuff up. Get it out in the open. Get these young men help and these young women help that this has happened to and figure out a way to fix it. I mean, even if it come down to changing, that's what evolution happens. Maybe you stop asking these men to take a, a vow of chastity. Have them, let them have a wife. It's, yeah, it's, it's, it's not 2019, goddammit. Yeah. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Yeah. Let, let, let pre-social shaughnessy, yeah. Hennessy. Even if you say, okay, no, no sex before marriage. At least, that, okay, I can work with that. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Will you marry me? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'd like you to meet my niece. Hey, will you marry me? It's very nice to meet you. It's, it's horrible. I, that, that's... I, I can't find that. I can't find no reasoning. Maybe I need to do a little bit of research on that, on why they tell them. Well, yeah, it doesn't really make sense because they view sex as a sin, I suppose. Do they view sex know. with a woman as a sin or just Damn, sex? Mm. That's another show. Yeah, that's another show. <laughs> I don't know. But uh, once again, man, we want to thank everybody for your participation. Shout out again to Veronica Thornton. You know what I'm saying? Love you showed us yesterday. 
uh, everybody, Janice, what's up, everybody, Patrick, my boy, Cole, man, it's, you know, again, y'all can check us out on Spotify, you know what I'm saying, on uh, iTunes, uh, all account, you know, just put in hashtag the full disclosure show, we, all, we, we, we everywhere, you know what I mean, so on my behalf, Big Dick Dashley, Lisa, Lisa, peace, peace, peace. Yes, 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 y'all. Once again, it's the Full Disclosure Show. I'm Derek Lamont Williams the first. We got Big Dick Dazzle, Bobby Rich Green, and the beautiful Lisa Lisa, the little lady of the house. Hello. What's, What's up, up y'all? You know what I'm saying? Here we go another week, man. You know what I mean? Trying to live, get it how I live. What's up with it, y'all? Hey, man, ready to do this, man. Another, another, another week in the books. Y'all to save people and they credit the whole time. Y'all got capes on. Y'all flying hey, around like Superman and Wonder we, Woman. We, we trying, we trying, we trying to help the community, man. For those of y'all who trying to catch us live on Facebook, we having technical difficulties. We'll continue to try to get this uh, feed up, but we're gonna keep going right here on the on the podcast, so y'all can check us out on Spotify. And and and, and pie, Apple Podcasts and, and and Stitchers and we all we we out here so, you know what I mean? It's going down. What's up, Miss La- Little Lady? Little Lady? Yeah, just uh, getting ready to do this show. I'm ready to get it popping. Let's go. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, we're gonna go ahead and uh, we're gonna go ahead and I'm gonna go ahead and set these things off, man. For those of y'all who haven't known the man John Singleton, may he rest in power. He uh, passed away, you know, of a stroke, complications from a stroke. And uh, I wanted to kind of reflect on his his work and his contribution to the community. Specifically, you know, and y'all chime in as you as we go, you know, and, and say what you need to say. But I want to start specifically with Boys in the Hood, his opening, 1991. And uh, this film was so significant for me because it was the first time that I can remember where I saw myself on screen. Yeah. I saw me. You know what I mean? Yeah, like we anything, about that too. yeah, anything, everything before that was just like movie. When you see, you know, New Jack City, that was a movie. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you know, Doc, Boys in the Hood to me was like a documentary. You know what I mean? Like the scene in the beginning when they was kids and they took the football, like, give a little nigga the ball. Back. <laughs> yeah, How yeah, many yeah. times did that happen to us? You, you know, know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, this, that was a scene out of my life. You know what I mean? And then it was like, I remember my when I was in the movie theater and I, and I seen, and I seen, just, I didn't just see me, I saw my neighborhood. I saw people that I knew. I saw, I mean, the story with uh, Lawrence Fitz, the characters, the, I mean, the, you know, and it wasn't, a gratuitous shoot him up. It was a coming of age movie in the That's hood, you know. And when when he went back and he showed him his kids, he humanized. He, yeah. you know, it's like you remember when we was all kids and everybody was innocent and everybody was just playing in, yeah. in, in a in a situation that was not meant for us. Correct. You know what I mean? You start stealing because you didn't have no, because your mom didn't have your money mm-hmm. to get what you want to get. Yeah, How many of us went to the corner? Still, I mean, if yeah. I want to eat, I'm gonna get and, this. And so it, it was just that movie. I've seen a hundred zillion times and uh, it was just so significant to me. It was like, 
it was it was an eye-opening experience to go to the movie theater and see a reflection of my life on the screen for the first time. And uh, we can go on and on into the significance of of the things, uh, Baby Boy, and man, we just mm-hmm. watched Baby Boy the other day, and it's just nice. like, I mean, he he had he was the into what I consider like the golden age of black cinema right now. Yeah. Like you're seeing the quality and the number of black actresses and I mean the black directors and writers with Jordan Peele and what's my man that did uh Black Panther? I can't think uh, of Ryan Coogler. Ryan Coogler and it's just yeah. and the and the woman that did uh, a wrinkle in time. It's yeah. like a golden yeah. age and John John Singleton, shout out to Spike Lee. Spike Lee, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Definitely shout out to Spike Lee, but John Singleton was that you know, in the, that middle, that, that middle bridged ground. it, yeah. yeah. And he took it somewhere different than Spike Lee, but you know what I mean? Yeah. And it was just, you know, a, a great man, a great director, an ambassador of representation of the of what he put out there. He was he was true. He put his truth out there. He put our truth out there. Correct. And I just want to commend him, man, one of the best that ever done it. Rest in power. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm dying to hear y'all. Uh, thoughts on on, the, on what's going on on the topic. I think, I think that his movies, you were we were more able to relate to them as far as you know. Those were things that you can go through if you weren't going through. Yeah. I know there was people in the movie that I could relate to personally, and it's kind of like just what you said. You know, saying you see yourself in one of those characters or you see someone that you know in one of those characters. Correct. And, you know, when I seen when I seen you boys in the hood, I kinda was like, damn, that's a that's a new type of movie. I was a little bit older right. you know what I'm saying, when I seen it. Well when I seen it and was able to adjust it and um digest it. I was a little bit older, so I was like, damn, that is a different type of movie, and I can understand why he's so significant in the in the movie era. What about you, Rich? Well, you know, it's crazy. Did you just kind of touch on something. I went ahead, and I, I put Baby Boy in just yesterday, day before yesterday, and watched it from beginning to end, and I was in awe of just some of the subtle nuances that I missed. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think about what you said, you know, yeah, you know, Spike Lee, uh, paving the way Robert Townsend before him, right, right. you know, uh, and, and there's probably others that we're missing. There's no disrespect Mario to me. Van Peebles. Mario Van Peebles, you go back to Sweet Sweet Back Badass, mm-hmm. you know, um, he, he's the one who showed that we could be bankable. Right. You know, and then, you know, Eddie Murphy blowing it out the water showed that we could be actually blockbuster stars. You know, it it, uh, it paved the way, but it's something about his filmmaking yeah, that mm-hmm. resonates with you. It wasn't you know, like, you could kind of see people's personal agendas and things. You probably see his and his as well. But I think that he did a great job of bringing a human aspect to his characters. Yeah. Because I saw myself, like you said, we saw, we went to go see Boys in the Hood as a, as a hood. Yeah. The hood went yeah. to go see Boys in the Hood. Mm-hmm. And, you know. I, and it was not what I expected. Like, no. what they portrayed it to be, yeah. it, it was not what it was. Like the commercial, you thought it was just going to be a gangster, gangster type, shoot them up type yeah. of movie, and it was not. No, it was it a coming to age story. I mean, yeah. what, what, without a Boys in the Hood, you, you, you wouldn't have like a The Wood. I thought that was right, a great coming right, of age story. Yeah. You know, you could just see certain nuances within it. What's going on, Ty Mitchell? And it make so. you understand why people in that situation 
act the way they do and you know what I'm saying why they feel the way they do because that's real life that yeah. was that wasn't just no shit that he just sat down and just made up or he just heard somebody talking you know what I'm saying that them situations was real life that is. I'm I've never experienced a lot of those situations but yeah. I know people mm. that have experienced those situations I know one of my favorite movies he made was how you're learning and yeah. where, where, where I'm from, when it came deep out, movie. Super deep I remember movie. hearing about how people was fighting in the theater. Like, they, they shut the whole theater down because they tore it up, mm. fighting. And once I seen the movie, it's one of my favorite movies. I can understand why it could cause some riff. You know what I'm saying? It was it was real, and it's even relevant to today. Yeah, I think it's Very, more relevant more, today. Yeah, yeah I think more, it's more relevant, relevant today than it was then. He was like making movies in the for the future. Yeah, and that's one I almost forgot about. Man, it was higher learning. You know what I mean? That was a, a one a major major movie, and uh, I I wanted to go like I remember even you know everybody wanted to rap back in the day. Furious <laughs> Styles was one of my rap names. You know yeah, <laughs> I was like, oh man, when I saw when I went to the movies, his name was his dad's name was Furious Style. Style. I'm like, oh man, that's it. <laughs> What, what's a movie? I mean, what's a character for one of his movies that y'all most relate to? Y'all can see yourself being that character or playing that character with no problem. And you know what? That's funny. As far as like when you say the most relatable character, it, it had to be Jody. I mean, not that I could re- not that if he was me. But I can see aspects. He, I, I know that dude. Like, I, know, I know that. I know, I know a whole Jody. bunch of yeah, Jody. You know, I know. Personally, I know some Jody. <laughs> I was watching that movie like, I know a whole bunch yeah, of you Jody. Know what like, mean? Wow. But like, see, like, with, with, and with Boys <laughs> in the Hood, like, you know, I, it wasn't just one character. Like, I saw pieces of my, I saw pieces of them characters all in me. Like, mm-hmm. I was, I had pieces of Ricky in me. Mm-hmm. You know, I had pieces of Doughboy. Pieces of, uh, a uh, 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 tray, you know mm-hmm. what I mean. I had pieces, in, I, and then I see, like it captured, like all different pieces of who I felt I was, and, and especially people I knew, and just the environment, just the way the movie moved, the 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 heartbeat of the movie was just incredible, man. It was like a day that for you to debut with that, you know what I mean, yeah, like a, a classic, a, a classic, like it, it'll forever be. One of my favorites, simply because it was the first time that I saw myself on screen. Like, you even go back to the old Breaking and B Street, you know, when you went to see it, it didn't feel real. Yeah. Like, because that ain't how we was doing it in Cleveland, you know what I mean? Like, that's New York, you know what I mean? Like, it was, like, far-fetched to to me, you know what I mean? Like, every every movie that I ever saw, it it was a movie when I saw The Boys in the Hood, it changed the game. It was like, oh, man, this is my life. Like, this is me, like. Wow, like you know what I mean? Yeah. It was crazy. So, what about you, Rich? Who's your most relatable character? Uh, you know, it's funny because we went to see it. Like I said, we went to go see it as a hood, mm-hmm. and people were telling me, "You Trey." When the movie was on, yeah. everybody kept looking at me like, "You Trey." You said it, <laughs> yeah, yeah, Seville. Yeah, yeah. I mean, everybody you like, Trey. "Man, you, you Trey." You everybody Trey. like, "That's Trey." That you Trey. And it's like, so I, I would guess Trey, you know, mm-hmm. in the movie. It's, it's, mm-hmm. I didn't see myself as Trey in, in, when I was sitting there, but I'm like. You know you worked like, at Fox yeah, Hill Mall. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I had on a flat shirt. Yeah, you know you worked at Fox Hill Mall. Yeah, I was Trey. And uh, I would say, Derek, if anything, even though he was quiet, you were a mix of uh, uh, Ricky and Doughboy. And, you know, not Doughboy for the trouble you had, but that's what I saw. You know, but where did you see yourself and where did you see yourself in 
Uh, what was his girlfriend name? The one who was going away to school. Um, Brent, what was Brandy. It? Brandy. Yeah, uh-huh. Nia, Nia Long. Shout yeah. out to Nia Long. Ooh, still. I, so, I see myself as hey, justice yeah. from Poetic Justice. Boy, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, we just watched that the other yeah. day, too. You know, yeah. They've been on, so we've been watching John yeah. Cena. Mm-hmm. Justice and Poetic Justice. Yeah. I Lucky and Justice. Me. Yeah. That's me all day. <laughs> Couldn't Pete. <laughs> yeah. Couldn't yeah. Pete. And I think. The, I think the one up. thing that you that you brought attention up, to that you uh, mentioned that how relatable all his characters are. You yeah. know what I mean? How human they are. How human his stories were. You know what I mean? And it's like, man, you know, he was he was definitely one of the greats, man. He was one so, of the greats. Oh, everything, yeah. everything John Singleton did, I was on. The world lost a giant in this in this industry and a giant in storytelling and the importance. Of, of us controlling our own narrative. Say that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Of us bringing our stories from our perspective to the big screen. You know what I mean? John Singleton, along with Spike Lee and others, contributed to letting people know that this is a, a marketable, bankable industry. Say that. You know, and that everybody is interested in hearing our stories, not just us. We're interested really in hearing our own stories portrayed by us, mm-hmm. but other people, other races and other cultures are just as interested and you can you can tell by how they, you know, mark, how they react to it. Exactly. And oh, shout out because... What's up, Jacqueline? He, nothing to the homosexual, but he's never had no show movie where his characters were homosexuals they were doing all that extra stuff some of us like some of the uh, black directors we have today and that's one thing I do appreciate him doing you know nothing to the homosexual community but I just get tired of seeing that it seemed like every director gotta have it and it, maybe it's just on TV you know the Empire and that show Star and all those types of shows they always gotta have those well, yeah. well, but see the person and, running those shows. That's either. what I'm saying. Yeah, but, so I mean, you know, people put their agendas out there. Yeah. But like, like we were saying, his agenda was just showing a real story, like showing relatable characters. I'd never really, when you sit back and watch now, you marvel at how people do certain little, certain subtle nuances. He was a, <coughs> a, a very nuanced movie maker, you know. And I think it'd go over most people's heads if they just think <coughs> it was a black movie. It would just happen to be a movie that told our story. He was a crop. You, you know, and, and, and that's no, it's no diss to the people like Robert Townsend, uh, people like uh, uh, my man Keenan Ivory Wayans, you know, people who, who put stuff out there. Don't get me wrong. They, they did some great stuff to get us on screen. But to see yourself and not be a caricature. Right. It, right. It's very hard for us not to do it. I mean, it is not no no offense to Master P, whatever you know. You my fam, Master P. You know that's what man, Percy Miller. What's up? Shout out to you. But it's like, um, you know, it's a, it was a lot of slapstick stuff done in the nineties. When you think about it, when mm-hmm. we get on screen, mm-hmm. you know, it's like oh, you know, like really over the time. Yeah. Well, it's, even even though, and I, I want to compare it to and another one of my favorite movies, New Jack City. Shout out No Jack City, but. New Jack City was a, I ain't gonna say it was a great, it was a, you know, Wesley Snipes acted his ass off. But it was far-fetched. Even yeah. though we was in it, like, that ain't how the, yeah. the, the dope game was going. There was nobody taking over projects. Even though I know it's based on the true story, there was a guy who did take over projects out yeah. there. So, 
But you know, it was oh, it's, it's, it was movie, it was cinematic. You know what yeah. I mean? Wesley Snipes yeah. was an over the top character. Correct. He nailed it. You know, the Dead Man was an over the top character. You know, these were yeah. over the top, not necessarily characters. No, no, no. But you know you. what I mean? They no, were no, over the you. top characters. With, with, with Boys in the Hood, man, they were real people it down to earth. This was a real sitting on the porch and drinking forty. Like real people, <laughs> yeah. they didn't look like actors, Hollywood. They looked like real people, people that he just got off the street. Yeah, and say, "Hey, I'm yeah. gonna give you this opportunity." You know, that's how I looked at Doughboy. You know, even though we know who he is now, but he he it was so gritty, it was so real. And and let and let me real quick, let me definitely shout out. Ice Cube as Doughboy, yeah. his first role. He, he helped give that movie that feel because yeah. he was so real. Like Ice Cube was dope. Like you, you know what I mean? Like yeah. if you knew Doughboy, that was that Dope was Doughboy. Like and, it, and and he was he partly gave it that feel. Like you know he was so organic, the and so authentic. You know it was supposed to be people. I don't know if people know it was supposed to be the whole NWA it was supposed to be. That group, you know what I mean? Okay, but yeah. because the whole thing when it fell out, they end up just you know it had Ice Cube, and so it was supposed to be Ray and Dre, uh, all the I other guys, all that. Yeah, but uh, that whole thing that fall out. But man, shout out to to not just Ice Cube, but all the actors. Yeah, all the actors, job. man. Even you know Lawrence Fishburne, man. You know what I mean? You sitting there, you know, with Trey when he's when he's the scene where he pops you in the neck like. Yeah, 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 yeah. And the one thing about Doughboy is like, even though he was thug, even though he was hard, you still felt empathy for him because you felt where he, you felt his heart, you yeah. felt his pain. When you saw the, how the mind was right. treated, and you the understood, one like, damn. And that's one of the, that's cru- some that's real one stuff of the crucial right parts. And that's, that is real. That's yeah. real. Yeah. That was one of the, the crucial scene in the beginning when you see him as kids. That's how you that that yeah. sucks you in. That makes you like man, because to the to those that don't know, yeah, we kids too. You know yeah. what I'm saying? We was children too. Yeah. We was innocent at one point. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And and you see the environment that they're in, how that yeah. shapes. What you want to go see a dead body? You know, come on yeah. now. This is what you know. This is what goes on in our neighborhood. Yeah. Like where, how kids process this? What up, how Patrick? kids processing death? You know what I mean? That movie was was so deep. It gave you a realistic look inside our neighborhoods and what's going on. And if you was across country, you could relate to it. And every movie that he's done, man, from higher learning to poetic justice, just watch that. And, you know, you're talking about characters, man. You're talking about relatable characters. I mean, uh, Tupac Shakur, man, what, that was one of the best, act, best acting jobs. You know, he was just a wonderful actor anyway. But yeah. great. That was a fantastic movie. It was. I, I'd like to know, like, you know, for the people who can hear us, you know, because we are broadcasting, even though we have a technical yeah, difference yeah. on this side. I think they see us on the other side. You know, who who was your favorite John Singleton character? You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, what, so, what, what movie, you know, made that impact? Go ahead, dude. Yeah, I was going to say, if y'all can comment on it, you know what I'm saying, drop it in the comment, y'all favorite. Favorite. Now, when you say you say a most relatable character, now you saying favorite character. favorite or, or relatable. Yeah, yeah. so <laughs> you know what I mean. It's hard to determine a favorite. I would have to say, I would have to say, and, and I almost forgot who I would find myself most relatable to was uh, Cube in uh, Higher Learning. In Higher Learning, yeah, that was yeah, yeah. That when I went yeah. to see that, 
at the at that moment in my life, I, that's when I was coming into my awakening. Mm-hmm. You know, I was reading stuff, I was learning. So when when the stuff he was dropping, you know, I was dropping. I was like, yeah, that's yeah, me right there. You know what I'm saying? That's me right there. So yeah, that would have to be my favorite and most relatable. What about you? Was it still still justice supported still justice? justice mm-hmm. But I can relate to uh, Fudge or uh, what name his name from Higher Learning? They call him Fudge. Yeah, was it was it Fudge Fudge? Or something like Ice that. Cube, yeah, Ice Cube off of Higher Learning. I can't really relate to him now. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. But I had to stick with Justice. You know, she was just so she was just so laid back. <laughs> So Vivian Henry, you know, she she was a survivor. Yeah, she was a survivor. You know, for what she where she, she was at, what she had been through, what she, what she saw. was saw. She was a survivor. You know, it, 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 it's not easy. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But she was a survivor. And uh, yeah, I can really relate to her writing. That's mm-hmm. a really mm-hmm. relatable thing she did. So, yeah, y'all, you listening to and watching the Full Disclosure Show. I'm Derek Lamont Williams the first. We got Big Dick Dashley, Rich Green, and the little lady in the house, Miss Lisa Lisa Burnett. And we're going to go to you, Miss Lisa Lisa. What was the, what's on your mind? Incarceration. I want to talk about the effects of incarceration on the family. Uh, I went to go see a family, uh, family member to this week. And he's incarcerated, and it took me a minute to go to go see him. I didn't. I don't. I don't like to see people in the in the jail in the jail system. Mm-hmm. I know what it's about. I know where it came from, and it just hurt me to see this family member locked up like this. And yeah, I mean, I can crazy. understand. You know, he went through his issues, had his trials, his tribulations, or what have you. So I can understand. I was there, you know what I'm saying? So I understand why he why he got to where he got to. It, it makes sense because I was there. Not It's not acceptable. I'm not say, uh, saying it's okay, but I understand. And it just really just made me sit back. I, this was the first time I've been to, to this place. It's been a long time since I went to go see somebody in jail. I think this may be the first time I actually went to a prison. And it was just so... It was just so much. It was so extra. It was kind of demeaning to me. So I don't know if it was demeaning to me. I know it has to be demeaning to those prisoners. And yeah. I'm like, is it really? Is it this serious? You know, yeah. one of the things that just really blew my mind is when you get there, you get something at the vending machine, you have to go to the vending machine and get it. Like, the prisoners can't go, which, okay, I can understand that because you may have some prisoners that's a little crazy or you know like do the most mm-hmm. but then you have to take the stuff off the plate I mean I have to pack it put it What's on up, the Trevor plate James? you have to do this you have to do that then we sit here and it's just this table and the chairs have to be a distinctive way and then I kind of like scooted my chair a little bit <laughs> and here come the police officer I'm like whoa you about to arrest me I kind of yeah. got nervous you know what I'm saying and I'm like really is it this serious and it just really just made me think about how the school system and the jail system is so in line, like that shit is real. These people, they they had to be in, they had to be in a single file line. I mean, there weren't any bells, but we don't have bells now. When last time I was in school, they didn't have bells, but it was just so. It was just so. It was scary. 
I'm not even the one that was locked up, but it was scary. And I just, I just want people to start understanding, like, they got a plan for you. Don't put yourself in that predicament to get in the plan. I mean, yeah. the fall in the plan. Don't, don't do that. Yeah. So, and it just, I mean, it makes, it makes the family go through so much. I've noticed that since, you know, we've been going through this issue with, with this legal system, certain family members have gotten sicker. I mean, they contribute yeah. to their sickness, but a lot of it has to do with their stress. 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 And mm. they were stressed when they were out, and they were stressed now that they're in there, and they have to go through these long trips to get there, and mm. they got to take this, they got to take that, and it's just so stressful, and it was just stressful for me. Like, I, when I got home, I was ready to go to bed. <laughs> I was, like, literally mentally drained, physically drained, and I didn't even do nothing. I kind of want to piggyback off what you just said. It was pretty profound when you talk about stress. And uh, you think about this. All right, you, your brother, your mother, your uncle. You know, we talk about close family, right? Mm-hmm. They get arrested. You know, we ain't going to talk about about what. You know what I mean? Because, you know, they can arrest us for anything. No telling. You know what I mean? They can arrest me today. You know what I'm saying? So somebody gets arrested. Immediately... The first thing is you want to think about how can I get them out, right? And what's your what is your financial situation right at this moment? Could you bail? Could you put up ten thousand dollars? Could you put fifteen hundred dollars to get somebody out of jail right now? I say that. You know what I mean? So, lady, like, what's up, April? Most Marcus? of us can't. Most of us can't. Don't have that money right now to do that. So right now, that already puts you under stress. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because you like, you know, and it's, it's it right there. It affects your sleep. It affects your mind now. You, you know your heart rate. Everything is increased, and now you, you're worried. You how could you not worry? Whether they was guilty or whether they was not, you know what I mean. Even if they're not guilty, it's even worse because you you, you, mm-hmm. you see it all the time. So yeah. you talk about the physical stress it puts on your body, and you don't even be aware of it. No, you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. You don't even you're not even aware of it. So, and then when 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 the loved one is locked up, yeah, everyone is locked up with them. You know what I mean. It's not like physically. Yeah. But you know, it's like part of you locked up. Part too. of you was locked up. But Al Harid the Dread said something. He said, "How about that Milwaukee black cop that got his wake up call, Bumba Clock?" <laughs> he said, uh, uh, "Al Harid went on to say convict leasing program, Jim Crow, black codes." Yeah, you know, yeah. When they when they they farm those guys up. Finish your thought though, as far as the the total. Yeah, but I was just but I, yeah, that's basically I was just you know that struck me what you said. You know, the the physical stress that it takes on a person to have a loved one locked up, to have to be worried about them. And in some cases, you know, I it, you you be less worried because I know if you have a child yeah. that's out there, that's what, you know, the sometimes. You know where they at. You know, yeah. at least you know where they at. You know what I mean? He would have also died. You know what I'm saying? Stay together. Sometimes How's the situation doing? Is, is better. You don't want that person to be in jail. You don't want your loved one to be in jail because you know. But sometimes they doing so much and you try certain things to, to get to get them help before jail and they, that didn't work. And you didn't try it over and over. You didn't get blood, sweat, and tears, literally. Yeah. Sometimes it's best for that person to sit it down for a minute cool and off. hope when they get out, they've learned from that mistake. They've learned from that situation. I know so it seems as if so many times 
they get out of jail and they go back and fall right back into the same old habits. And it's kind of hard not to when that's all you knew before you got right. out. I mean, right. before you went in. And then you got this period of time where you don't even know how to act because you don't you don't learn how to act. You don't learn how to behave in society in jail. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Agree. So when you get out, now you got the behavior from jail and you also had that behavior you have before you went to jail. So you're not even learning how to mm -hmm. carry yourself. You're not learning about yourself. And you're not given the opportunity to grow. It, and it hurts because most of the time, folks get out of jail, what's the first thing they want to do? They want to throw a barbecue. They want to call Pookie and Ray Ray. They want to get you high. They want to get you the bitches. You know, they want to get you uh, whatever drug you was doing before you went in there. Mm -hmm. And as you going to have enough power, enough strength, to be like, all right. But see, you know, real quick, before I you go, real quick before you go, I just want to say, it shows you how your actions affect the people around That's you. Right, yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? Like how crucial that is. I just wanted to get that out. Go ahead. Well, you know, I'm going to kind of dovetail off of something Lisa was saying earlier when you were discussing it earlier and you were talking about the uh, basically the, the uh, school to prison mm -hmm. pipeline. Uh, you have that, but in the interim, those people, they start, sometimes they have families. Mm -hmm. They have children that they leave behind. Kids that are one, maybe a few months old. And then you're not coming back to they six, seven, ten years old. You've missed that time in that yeah. child's life. What is the impact on that family mentally and financially? And the fact that, you know, the kid know, okay, my daddy here with this and that, this and that. We have the tendency to make heroes out of the absent parent and villains yeah. out of the parent that's there. Yeah. You know, how does that deconstruct the family? You know, do, yeah. do you see these types of things? I've, I've had that. I've actually had that experience where I was with my daughter's father. He got incarcerated for uh, a year or so mm -hmm. and then he gets out and you're not even doing what you're supposed to do when you get out but every now and again you want to come in and sprinkle daddy but when you come in you want to try to tell me what I don't need to do well, you, what you need to do is get off her back what you need to do is do this she's a good kid how do you know she's a good kid you know what I'm saying? How do you know she ain't no What made her a good kid? I you made her a good kid. This strictness is what made her a good kid. So don't tell me what I should be doing. How about you come in and join the, join the party? Do you, you think it makes it easier for some of those parents that start going to jail and they just keep going back? Do you ever think people go back on purpose? Some I people did, do. yeah. Some because people they do. don't know how to... Because it's almost an excuse. Some people do. They don't know how to act in society. And What's up, Sean Some Ray? people need... That type of structure, I was, you know? I was talking to I a cat the other day, and he did six months for DUI. Mm -hmm. you know, well, his first one? No, it wasn't his uh, first one. Uh, okay. <laughs> wasn't his second one, it was the third one. Okay. He, was he deserved he was it. He deserved <laughs> it. And, and, and he was just telling me, you know, he don't drink at all. You know what I'm saying? He was like, man... He was like that six months. He's like that 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 gave me he's all scared, I need no yeah. He's scared. He's like no, brother. No. But then you got certain people who who they. I mean, they can't stay out. You know what I mean? And you and I. I, I just want to get back to how our actions affect the people around us, man. You know what I mean? I understand you want to feed your babies, you know, but your babies are you know. And us as men, we get caught up and we have to. We want to be the provider. We want to be the provider. But our presence is more important. You know what I mean? Like, you ain't got to take 
certain chances, you know, you, you can't take certain chances when you have kids. Yeah. It yeah. ain't about wanting to. You can't, man. You can't. You have to think about them before you make a move. Now, if you're single and you ain't got no kids and you're doing what you're doing, you're the only one. I mean, you're not the only one because, you you know, you're, you're still your mom. You know what I mean? You, she worried about I mean, you know what I'm saying? Our moms worry about us. You know what I'm saying? And that stress sometimes kills them. That's it. You know what they, they like say sometimes it's just like that. Those walls, those four walls is all they know. Yeah. 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 But you no, know, it, kill, it kills your moms. Go ahead, yeah, finish the yeah, thought. No, that was, that was it. Yeah, it, right. it takes a toll on the family, you know, and I kind of want to piggyback off of what uh, Al Hared Adria said. Lady like came back in. She said, times change, and they make real they make it real hard for black men to qualify to stay free. And I would say that, like, you could just be crossing the street these days and end up in jail. Mm -hmm. Like, how many people have got arrested for nothing, and then when they go to court, the only charge they have is resisting arrest? Well, it's lawful to resist an unlawful arrest. I don't know if y'all know this. It is lawful to resist an unlawful arrest. Mm -hmm. But what media would tell you is, well, they didn't comply. Well, why should I comply if I didn't do anything? Because what it is is, and I think we kind of lightly touched on it, that bail system is a mother. Hey, yeah. shout out to Jay-Z. Shout out to, uh, what, what's my man, Meek Mill, mm -hmm. Beyonce, and Robert Kraft for getting that bail reform stuff mm -hmm. moved through. Because that's how they was criminalizing. If you think about Khalif Broder, you know, his whole thing was his they couldn't pay the three thousand dollars to bail him out. So he mm -hmm. spent three years up in Rikers just because he couldn't afford three thousand dollars, which I think his dad could have got up. Mm -hmm. But they accused him of stealing something he didn't do, and then they tried to get him to cop to it once they realized they didn't have a case. So they kept him in there longer and longer and longer just because he couldn't come up with three thousand dollars. And now, they know that. how many people are in prison just because they're poor? See, they don't criminalize criminals. Sometimes they criminalize you for being for poor. poor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, 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 and it's affecting more than just us. And this ain't a black thing. That's a poor thing. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. But once again, the demographic that's going to be most affected by it is the ones who are at the bottom of that food chain. Well, people and, associate yeah, being, being poor with being black. Yeah. Well, they like went on to say, if you think about it, they are thinking about the kids. They they uh, they are thinking about the kids. They have to feed them, buy clothes, and provide shelter. But if every job is turning them down because of their background, what else? Um, what else should they should they do? And you know what? I kind of want to uh, piggyback off of that. I agree with Lady Light. Back in the day, it was an old saying: was like, okay, if somebody did a crime, what did they they said he paid his debt to society. We're going to forget it. That was okay when it was them. Mm -hmm. But just what you just said, when it's us, that's not okay. A felony is a lifetime sentence on a job application now. Mm -hmm. You can't get this job for that, this job for that. That's why it's important for uh, programs like uh, Kamala Harris put together in San Francisco. She lowered recidivism. I think we, we talked about this by 89 or 92%. So, uh, and recidivism, by the way, people, is uh, the amount of people that get out of prison and then go back to prison. She lowered that by 89 to 92% in San Francisco by putting programs in. Now, she mm -hmm. talked tough because she, she talked to talk, but she made sure that she put programs in place that put these people to work the whole nine. It is not, if the government's job is to keep you in prison, do you really think it's their job or they're going to really work hard to keep exactly. you employed? Now, certain programs out there that we don't know about, and I'm pretty sure there's a lot of stuff that if we, we dug deep, we could kind of share. We need to share it because mm -hmm. we've got this platform, but it's up to us. We have to start creating felony-friendly jobs. Now, I have no problems with hustlers. I, if you was out there, you was hustling, you was trying to feed your family, 
personally, I ain't got a problem with it. You know, you out there, you trying to do something constructive. You just didn't find where you could hone that in. Mm-hmm. That's why they gave those Rockefeller laws to so many people who was just trying to hustle because they saw you got potential. It's, right. Some of those guys could have been amazing stockbrokers or amazing people on Wall Street if given the opportunity, but they aren't introduced to it. They don't have that kind of, they're not protected, they're not insulated from the ills of, of, of the social ills that go on along with being in certain environments. I'm going to go on and say Veronica, Veronica Thornton just said, my son's father has been in and out of jail for the equivalent of more than half their lives. There is a level of stress that comes with trying to find balance so that I'm not bashing his actions, um, bashing, bashing his actions, but, but at the same time, at the same time, telling them the pitfalls that are laid out for black boys to fall into. Shout out to Sean West. What's up with hey, your family? Real quick, too. I am hosting a, a watch party on Facebook. So I want to shout out some of the people just joined us. Jamal Flono, shout out Trevor James. Shout out Patrick Bubba Boyko, Cerise Carr. You know what I mean? Shout out Abel Boykins. My son just joined us. Sean Ray just said, uh, Bullseye Rich. You know what I mean? What's <laughs> up, Sean Ray? So, uh, I mean, if we get back to this, man, it, it's, our, it's on us. It's on us to protect our communities. We need to... Yeah, you know, I'm big on politics. Y'all know that. But politicians ain't going to protect you. You know, we we need to start writing the laws. Let's start saying, let's sit down. This is a think tank. This is an open think tank. Mm -hmm. You know, let's start waiting for people to to go ahead and post the comments. How can we start changing this? How can you start changing that narrative? How can we take some of the stress off the family? Now, a lot of it is personal responsibility. Straight straight up, man. Some Some of these people are just... Assholes, they, they do stupid, dumb stuff, and they deserve to go to jail. Mm-hmm. But a lot of these people don't. Real quick, man, I wanted to ask you, Lisa. Um, did, have you felt any, like, actual physical effects from having a loved one in prison? Like, have you felt, like, any specific effects personally, like, that you felt from having... You mean since I've been there? Since, since you've had a loved one Tiffany Mitchell. I don't think I had any direct personal effects from it. Like, when it first happened, I did miss my loved one, like, a lot because, you know, we did talk a lot. Um, even though he was going through what he was going through, we didn't see each other like we used to. Didn't know It was different to know that he was out versus I can see him or I can call him or I can go hunt him down mm-hmm. and see him. Now I can't do that. So I really did miss him. But... I think my my most most of my effect came from seeing my parent. Right. You know, saying like she was really hurt, she was really upset when it first happened. So to see that happen, to see her break down, that's what really hurt my heart. You know, and I I think I was more I was more so angry. And then once I got over the sad, I was angry for a while. So that was a little bit of why I didn't want to see him because I was angry that he allowed himself to fall through the cracks, he allowed himself to get in the position that he got into because we had talked. And, I mean, I know that people go through the changes and they, mm-hmm. whatever they're going through, at a different pace than what I would. You know, I might go through it faster, I might go through it slower than him. So, I understood that, but I was still so mad that he hurt his mother, he hurt himself, he hurt his son, you know. Yep. I, that's what I was, I was so angry and now I'm like okay you're angry with you being angry it's not going to really change anything and it's not going to really 
help him out, you know, so maybe me going to see him, give him my good energy, give him my good vibrations, you know, <laughs> that'll help him feel better, you know, help him be like, oh, I'm coming home, you know, just have that good attitude. And he seemed to be in good spirits, be in the place that he in, to be in the situation that he in, but at the same time, all right. I mean, and that's what learn? you said was just, what you just said was really heavy. You know what I mean? Because I think you were more on the on the side of relief that okay now nah, he can't get hurt no yeah. you ain't dead motherfucker you know what I'm saying yeah. like it get to the point like when we say dead in jail most yeah. of us are gonna pick yeah. we want our love yeah. in jail yeah. we don't want dead I we got get right yeah. right right but to see your mom you know that's her son you know what I mean like to mm -hmm. see that then you know that that residual effect that. You know that when you see, it's like the butterfly effect. You know, one thing and it affects everybody so around it. It's like, mm -hmm. so I think you really have to keep that in mind, especially if you have kids, man. You know, you, and you know, you gotta, and it's not just them, but, but especially if you have kids, you have to keep in mind what you do and the things. If, well, it's going to affect them, and not just them, but definitely them and your mom and everybody around you. So. You There's a duality to it. Yeah, it's a cause yeah, and effect. Yeah. Veronica Thornton said, there are many felony-friendly jobs out here, but there's a fear many have for applying. Some of those jobs, they don't know how to answer the questions about why they became incarcerated. Lady Like went on to say, I plan to use this credit restoration platform for people with felonies. Your family and learn, uh, I'm sorry, uh, make sure make an income to feed your family and learn the ways of the wealthy to get our families out of poverty. I have faith in us. Say that. I say, Queen. I say. Um, what's up, Terry Sanders? Uh, Baba Batai just joined us in the watch party. Baba Batai? Hey, so I'm going to go Hold back on, to... Hold on, Sean Ray just also commented here. Politicians work for us. If, if, say that. If they're not getting the job done, they need to get voted out. Yep. Get them out. Get them out there. Hold them accountable. Yeah. But see, it's hard to hold people accountable without a financial base. And, and the thing is, we do have it. We just don't have a collective voice. Uh, I wanted to piggyback off what Al Hared the Dread said. Uh, if you go back, you think about the 13th Amendment. 13th Amendment basically says you can have slavery as long as you're incar incarcerated. That's the only time slavery is okay. Mm -hmm. So you have these people working for companies like Microsoft. And I ain't just trying to pick Microsoft. Shout out to you. If, if, if you ain't on that list, I apologize. We, you have big corporations. I ain't mean to single one out. Who use uh, felons to do business because they could pay them like 40 cents an hour. Mm -hmm. And those same felons, when they get out, they know how to do the job. And they go to apply for this same company they've been working for for six years in jail. Like, man, I know how to do this. I used to call when y'all right, did y'all. Right. That was me. Let me go get a job up here. I'm about to feed my family. And then they go. And the catch-22 is, this job say, I can't hire you because you got a felony. I mean. You, I got six years experience with yeah, you. It's, it's, all, it's all in the plan. It's all supposed to. That's the way they want it to be. They have to keep you. It's just like the drug company. They got to keep you sick. Keep coming back mm -hmm. for the medicine. They got to keep so them present. Ain't no money in the cure. Right. Ain't no money in keeping these people, giving the programs to, um, what do you call it? Reinform them, you right. know. So it don't make make reform them. That make too much sense. What's yeah. up, Tim? Over you know, to you. Some know people I mean? may have been in environments. They may have grown up in a fucked up environment. Mm -hmm. If their dad was 
the game, the game is rigged. Member, if they uncle the was in the, gu- in the game, yeah. you know, that's all they know. They ain't, yeah. And they put you in jail. They ain't giving you, putting you in jail to reform you. They ain't putting you in jail to teach you no trades. Well, mm-hmm. you know, I'm gonna take a step back though. Too. Sean I, I know some dudes. Right on, sister. You know what I, I, mean? I know some people who get right out of jail and get jobs, and they working harder and longer than people who've been out and, and ain't got a number. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's another side of story yeah. to this too. Don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. It just ain't all despair. It's some guys that get out of jail and say exactly what you said. That your deal, he did six months, said I ain't never going yeah. back. Yeah, it's yeah a, there is some it's, guys it's, that it, went it, to jail. I yeah. know some guys. I know guys on both. Uh, size. Some guys that went go to jail, get out, and keep going back. Go out two weeks, six months later, and I know somebody that's been in jail for a minute, and he got out and he never like, again. Never I ain't again. going back, and <laughs> he ain't again. been back since. You know what I'm saying? He doing what he's supposed to do, and being a productive uh, member of the society and all that. So, I mean... Say that. They leapfrogging cats yeah, that's been out here. Yeah. They're coming out like, uh-huh. Because it's like a second lease on life. It's almost like, you give me a second chance right, at that. Right, right, And I think sometimes they had that, that, that opportunity to sit back well, and think if it, I get a second it, chance. It comes from, you know, again, you know what I mean? I when we're talking about personal growth, you know what I mean? A lot of times when people don't decide to do it until they back against the wall, until they rock bottom. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And you have to look yourself in the mirror like it's just you and you know what I mean? And prison is a spot that happens for some people. But some people don't don't see it that, you know, I don't know, some people yeah. but uh Malik El Ha Shabazz exactly. was in jail. You know yeah. what I'm saying? I mean, Malcolm you know, X so, shut yeah. up. Malcolm X came out right. A lot of people find themselves in there, you know. So you know what? They took a lot of those um prison um programs away where you yeah. can get your uh diplomas, where you can get your college degree. They purposely took that out of there. Yeah, they took it out, but... Because they started seeing these... Some of these cats was coming out ready, like, oh, okay, I ain't going to yeah. do this no more. Wasn't one cat spent some time in jail, came out, passed the bar. He went yeah. to college. He, yeah. he, he was ready for the bar when he got so, out, but yeah. he had to do the... Hey, so you had to think about it. Prison is a lot cheaper than college, boy. I'm going to knock up hey, 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 Hey man, y'all watching the full disclosure show, man. I'm uh, Derek Lamont wins the first. We got Bobby Rich Green, Big Dick Dasley, and Lisa Lisa, the little lady in the house. Thanks everybody for watching, man. Sean Red said right on, sister. Everybody on the watch party, everybody on the podcast. We're going to get into the social media post of the week, and I'm kind of myself itching for this one. All right, man. You know, I'm, you know I, keep, I keep it quick. Normally, I try to keep it light. I'm just going to go right into it. I just saw um, this week that they banned the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan from Facebook and IG platforms. And they said they were trying to rid themselves of hate group and hate speech. In that aftermath, you got rid of Alex Jones from InfoWars uh, and Milo, and I forget his last name, uh, who who was just a, a, a right-wing extremist. You know, they want to say alt-right. Let's just call it what it is. He's a Nazi. They got rid of those people. I believe now those people did have that rhetoric that was divisive. And they, their whole goal was to divide. But you had, if you listen to Farrakhan's message, if you listen to any of his posts, it wasn't anything divisive, the whole nine. Now, because he was part of the Nation of Islam that's based out of Chicago, uh, shout out to the nation, um, you know, it could be looked upon as he's an anti-Semite. 
You know, I think I saw a post about how could you be that way <laughs> if this didn't exist, that didn't exist. That's mm-hmm. neither here nor there, though. But the thing is, um, I want to know how you feel about that, Lisa. Did you you you've seen Mr. Louis Farrakhan? What's your thoughts on his ban off of social media? Um, I feel like, first off, if Louis Farrakhan or any of those guys were such a threat, they'd be dead. So, there's more to the story that meets the eye, I feel as if. I ain't saying it's no conspiracy or anything, but I just feel like if there was that much of a threat, they'd be dead. He's been saying these things and giving this, giving these speeches and spitting out his feelings and ideology <laughs> for how long? Mm-hmm. So if he was going to cause this race war or this big it whatever, it would have been done. So I think it's more they just moving him out the way for the next group that they're going to bring back in. I mean, anybody we see in that on TV... The power that be is letting us see them. They're only giving us what they want us to see. Correct. So, th- we got to remember that all these people are all working for the same people. So, it's more to it than they just ban it because his speech or whatever, mm-hmm. whatever. So, I just feel like if they're going to ban Louis Farrakhan, then they need to ban Donald Trump. Oh, well, then who's next, man? <laughs> yeah. Who's next? Are they going to ban us? Yeah. Well, well, we see what's going on with our connection. Y'all don't see this, but our our connection is crazy. We we, we going on, we know that we y'all can hear us, but they really, they doing some stuff. They mess with the algorithms and everything. Go ahead, D. I'm sorry. Nah, I mean, I I just want to tell y'all, if you didn't already know this, you know what I'm saying, what you probably did, I'm just about to tell you. There is no, the only reward for keeping it real is respect. You know what I mean? There's no rewards for keeping it real. There's no rewards for telling, you know what I mean, how it is. You know, speaking your truth. You know what I mean? And one thing about Farrakhan, Farrakhan, when I when I get help to Farrakhan from, you know, Public Enemy, I'm going to tell you about Farrakhan yeah, until you yeah. heard the man. I'm like, well, who is Farrakhan? Yeah. You know, Public Enemy introduced me to Farrakhan. Public Enemy introduced me to Malcolm X anyway, but I digress. So, you know, and I'm starting to, and I remember watching Farrakhan on Donahue. You know, I used to watch Donahue. And I saw this brother come on there and tear them up. And he didn't say nothing derogatory. He told them 100% truth, and there was nothing they could do or say about it. And I was like, whoa. Right, and to your point, that was Donahue. (laughs) That was what, 80s? That was the 80s. You know what I mean? So he's been doing this. And, and and that's why I respect. And well. you know, yeah, I don't. You know, I don't get into the religion. I, I say all the time. Peace don't don't tell me what you believe. Show me who you are. And Spare kind of showed me who he is. You know what I mean? Spare kind of stood up and said things to 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 America's face that they didn't like. So now, why the ban? I mean, it made me think like, why ban? Now he ain't he been doing this. Social media's been on for how long? Mm-hmm. He's been on Facebook. So, He's been on IG. I see him all the time. Yeah. I got Muslim that post all the time. I watch them all. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's, it's like, you know, it makes you think really like, why not? What, what's what's next? What? You know what I'm saying? Is, this, is there sending, is something next? Is, is there pushing something else? You know what I mean? Setting it up like, well, we're going to do this to them now. You know, like I said, who, who all of us are safe. Who, who, who's safe? You know yeah. what I mean? I think, who, who's going to get banned next? Yeah. I definitely think it's an agenda to the reason why they're ban- banning uh 
these people are. They're definitely about to bring in somebody else, and they're just going to be a different face, different words, but it's going to be the same agenda, and it's not mm-hmm. going to change because they need the agenda to keep the fucking craziness going on. Mm-hmm. We so fucking blindsided <laughs> by all the bullshit, we ain't paying attention to the real shit. Before we get into some of the comments, I, I just wanted to say real quick, uh, it, it's, it's like uh, now... It's like when you speak when you speak against racism, you're considered racist. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. When you talk about, you know what I mean? Like they can say, oh, kill niggers and da da da. That's racist <laughs> rhetoric. If I speak against that, if I speak, even if I speak against, speak for black love and black unity and black pride, that's racist. why I'm being racist. You know what I mean? So Man, go ahead on to the car. I got... Uh, you know how I've been trying to be cool on yeah, this Fair- Hey, hey, Patrick Buckboy Cole said Farrakhan is like the ultimate advocate for the black man. He speaks certain truths that his that the white establishment couldn't handle. I'm surprised that they didn't ban him a long time ago. Exactly. To our point. Well, once again, because it's the truth. It's something that's easily researchable. He didn't say or do anything that wasn't out of the ordinary. Like one thing, he even said this that God blessed him with the ability to speak well. He articulates his thoughts very, very, very well. well. And yeah. he doesn't he's not aggressive in it. He doesn't cuss in it. He just gives it right to the point. And it cuts you like a knife. When somebody is just so articulate and and so intelligent that they can get their message across without ever having to raise their voice mm. and using a complete fact. Now I'm not talking about on the religious side. Religiously speaking, you know, I don't I don't agree with any necessarily religious doctrine. This is not mm. about religion. I don't right. want y'all to think that you know, this has anything to do with uh, Islam or the nation or anything like that. This is the man himself. Right. He's been an advocate for black folks. He's taken people who had these prisons. We were just talking about incarceration. He was the master of taking people out of jail and, and, and turning them around. And you know what? I might step on some toes now, but if I'm going to keep it 100, I, I see that black Muslims in America, people who follow Islam, Muslims in America, to me, are some of the most noble people I've ever met. I ain't saying all of them, but they follow the doctrine and they are noble people. And mm-hmm. that's because of the way that one Mr. Louis Farrakhan, Mr. Louis Farrakhan right, carries himself. Right, right. You know what I'm saying? He's an honorable man. I think maybe if we want to go to the reason why... They- <laughs> he cursed a little. <laughs> hey, Patrick, you know right. what I'm talking about, family. Real quick, yeah. too. Sean Ray said, maybe they're afraid of the Million Man March, too. Man, when he did that back in 95, man, who else gonna put a million black people together? They tried I to do downplay that number. I was a kid, I, I used to always want to go to the Million Man March. <laughs> did you? Yeah. I, I did, because, you know, I was like, what is that? What is these black men like? Is this black people like trying to save yeah, the world, yeah, trying yeah. to save black folk? And I was at work. Man, I feel horrible man, about I, that. I, I, I was at work. Wait, wait, wait. What Trezana Staples said, uh, <laughs> they, they felt they had to remove Mr. Farrakhan because they removed the white hate groups. And that's exactly yeah. what I was saying. They feel like, yeah. oh, they, since I'm getting rid of them, we got to get rid of a yeah. prominent black person. Well, yeah. remove Al Sharpton. Yeah. I, I would have been cool with them removing <laughs> Al Sharpton. Yeah. Who happened to be an FBI informant? I'm just saying. Go I'm ahead, D. Saying. I ain't mean to cut you off. I just I wish I could pull up the one interview that he did, where I, I was trying. I was sitting trying to remember. I'm thinking maybe you remember. It was on 60 Minutes. 60 Minutes. Where they was talking about Nigeria, and and he said, you know, who are you to have? To talk oh. about moral equivalency. Oh, so, so, yeah, that's the one. I, man, come on. Look, yeah, well, I knew it. That's why I said yeah, I said it. Bro, come on. Because it was a classic, man. I, and, and, oh, go ahead. I Lisa. think that, the, I think maybe 
part of the reason why they want to ban him is because they're trying to hush him out, hush him up, because he's giving an example of a black man, of these little black boys, follow, follow these examples, follow this, and maybe, not maybe, you know what I'm saying, black men are following this example, and it's a threat to the powers that be. It's a threat to what they want. It's a threat to what they try to do. You know, they can't have us uh, acting like we got sense. Yeah. They can't have us uh, acting like black men instead of niggas. Yeah, right. say that. You know? My man, Baba Batai, you sound and said, Louis Farrakhan has a talent to speak. That's not a gift. He's a talented leader. Say that, brother. Hey, so, and at least I'm just going to dovetail off what you said. It's like... um you know, you got, once again, a great orator, dresses well, the whole nine speaks well, but it's for his people, about his people. But they muted him a long time ago because you have certain people who were scared to align themselves with him. Even at Aretha Franklin's uh, funeral, everybody that sat up at the at the top spoke. It was one person who didn't speak. That was Louis Farrakhan. They kept him off that microphone for a reason. But... At least they allow his presence to be there. We don't know what this thing might say. We yeah. better not put him up there. Yeah. He, like, he, he like the old old grandma, you know what I'm saying? The barbecue, you know, grandma that just say anything to anybody. Yeah. Yeah. That's him. He the old grandpa that say anything to anybody. But, and he said with a smile on his face, yeah. too. He, he, he be eating ass up and he be smiling, you know what I mean? But, you know. So, and I, you know, I, I give. <laughs> now, that be Khalid Mohammed, <laughs> yeah. though. If you don't let Khalid on that bike, you be upset. Go ahead, though. Yeah, Rest in peace. Rest in peace, Khalid just, Mohammed. I just, I remember, you, I remember any, if anybody remember the old Cleveland State radio station, like from after about. Two thirty. I can't remember the name of number. Old Cleveland State Radio. After the little hip hop, they used to have a hip hop show that used to go off at two yeah, o'clock in the morning on yeah. Saturdays. After that, they would play speeches of man, uh, Minister of uh, Malcolm X and Farrakhan. And I would be up, you know, doing my little thing. You know what I'm saying? I would be up six o'clock in the morning listening to speeches of Farrakhan. Anybody remember that? You know what I'm saying? Shout out because. After after they had a little hip hop show from twelve to two, and after it went off, it was they would play speeches, and I would just be like floored, man. Yeah. And and it, and it was so flooring is the things they were saying was so relevant. You know what I mean? They were old, a lot of them were old speeches. Well, the, the, the Malcolm X speeches were old, but then the Farrakhan's, and it was just they were saying stuff. that was like whoa, just blowing my lid. You know I what I mean? When I was uh, working midnights at the nursing home, and it get real quiet, and it just be me. I sit there and listen to speeches with Malcolm X. You know what I'm saying? I listen to a little bit of Farrakhan, but I was really listening to Malcolm X's speeches. And, I mean, that brother was deep. Hey, look, it's amazing. If you if you are on the fence or you you don't understand why we may feel this way, hold on, let me read this. Patrick Walker Boyce Cole said, I remember that station, great underground hip-hop. Yeah, yeah. Man, that, that was it. Yeah. That was it. You turn... And he get past that little fuzz <laughs> yeah. right there. I forget the I forget the uh, call number, but um, once again, it's not that we it's not an advocate. We're not advocating belief right here. We're we're sitting here. We're talking about someone who stood up for their people in the right way. This this society. Uh, I'm just talking about the states in general because I, I even though I've traveled I've traveled a lot of places. I haven't experienced a lot of things in different areas. So I'm just going to talk about the states and I quick keep it real quick. This man has articulated our experience in this country very, very well. If you really want to understand how the black man feels in America, I believe that whether, forget your creed, your ethnicity, your belief, your race, listen to this man's speeches 
and I say the more recent ones. You know, listen to his more recent work. Go on YouTube and research him. I was see if about he's, to say, if he's speaking his, it, if he's speaking his hate speech the whole nine, what they're trying to do. Not like these other groups. This man is actually telling y'all the truth. And sometimes people don't like the truth. To someone who doesn't understand the truth, the truth will hurt. Hold on, we got one comment. I'm gonna let you right, you're good, take you're us good, out. You're good. Uh, Veronica Thornton said, Minister Farrakhan is no longer perceived as a religious zealot by many, but as a truth teller. I agree. Uh, that is true power when someone can organize thousands without ever being in their presence. Million Man March was a test. Next time, he won't be calling a peaceful march, and they know it. Yeah. I'm going to end on that. I'm going to speak my truth, and I'm going to end mine. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know what I'm saying? We want to thank you, everybody, for joining us, man. We're going to go ahead and wrap it up. Wrap it up. Much love, man. Hey, share the videos. Check out the podcast. You know what I mean? Uh, Spotify, Stitcher, everywhere. We everywhere, man. Thanks for all the love. I'm Derek Lamont Williams. Big Dick Dashley, Rich Green, Lisa Lisa, Lady of the House. Thanks again, y'all. It's all love all day. We out.